You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide, as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. And welcome everybody to tonight's live broadcast of TPC. I'm your host, James Edwards. The different type of show. We're live tonight from the floor of the American Renaissance 2023 conference. It is literally taking place around us uh, as we sit right now we are having a break in the action they are retooling the room for the dinner banquet and the keynote speech which will be delivered by Dries van Langenhove who is a representative from Belgium and good friends with our good friends Philip de Winter and Anka over there and uh, anyway it has been uh, so far, and it's still certainly not over, but it has been a wonderful weekend of fellowship and renewal, and standing here with me, or rather sitting here uh, with me, is uh, Keith Alexander. Uh, both of us are here tonight. How you doing, Keith? I'm doing great. Really enjoying the scenic atmosphere around here and the, the good fellowship that you always have in Cameron Thomas. That's absolutely right. So, uh, yeah, well, let's... more interference from Angela so far. And I'll tell you what, this place has been... Great. Close as you can. We got a lot, I want to just say, too, if anybody's wondering, we've got a lot of background noise because, obviously, we are uh, in the midst of a lot of people. So you're going to hear people chattering in the background. And I, I love that, actually. I think it makes for uh, a better radio atmosphere. Uh, and environment, and so you're going to hear people coming and going, a lot of action happening right now. I was going to say, they've raised the bar a few notches here at uh, the Montgomery Bell State Park Lodge. Uh, it's really, you know, it's one Yeah, it's that guy. It's as nice as any. In, uh, 2016. They have uh, certainly uh, refurbished and remodeled this place. It is uh, not that it was exceedingly poor before, but now it is uh, as good as any chain hotel you would have an event like this at. So you get the best of both worlds. You get your First Amendment protection and you get nice accommodations, uh, really top flat accommodations. And so, anyway. Uh, Keith, you have been here. You've been uh, witnessing everything throughout uh, the course of uh, the events so far. Give us some takeaways. Well, unsurprisingly, James gave the best presentation. <laughs> I mean, he brought the house. Well, this really guy, did. he's got to say that. You understand that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I told him he had to say I really, that. I really don't have to say that. I'm saying that. That's from my heart. He really gave a stirring speech and the best reaction. And, uh, of course, all of the speeches are great. Everything, all the people, uh, first rate. Uh, you know, our good friend uh, Jerry Taylor always puts on a first rate uh, presentation and program here at Anderson I've got to say, I appreciate uh, what my friend just had to say and his critique, but uh, 
uh, they uh, it has been one uh, outstanding presentation after another. The speakers have been uh, Ricardo Duquesne, Professor Duquesne. Would love to talk to him again. We're going to grab it. What's going to happen over the course of the show tonight? We're just going to be grabbing people. I'm looking at none other than Mr. Wallace himself, Mr. Occidental Descent, Brad Griffin, uh, is standing about five feet from me as we sit George's right now. <laughs> yeah, well, in, in, in just a few minutes. We'll do it in a few minutes. But, uh, but you, so what we're going to be doing tonight is just taking people uh, from the crowd, different uh, speakers, uh, different uh, people who were here, who are. I would love to talk to Keith Woods. Yeah, I would love to talk to Keith Woods. We're going to. Well, I, this is what I was saying. We're going to be grabbing as many different people in the crowd, not just the speakers, although we're going to try to feature as many of the speakers at this weekend's event as we can over the course of the next three hours and let you hear, in their own words, a little synopsis, at least, of uh, the message they delivered to the assembled troops. And uh, we'll be talking with other people in the crowd uh, who certainly cast a large shadow. I mean, certainly there is a great injustice when you have uh, heroes and legends like Mark Webber, and Ed Fields, who are not on the program this year, but nevertheless, in, in the crowd, people like that, when you are able to address people like that and have them in your audience, you're certainly part of a special uh, gathering. So yes, Ricardo Duquesne was the opening speaker today, a professor from Canada. Uh, Keith Woods, an island for everyone, Ireland at Crossroads. He was the second speaker. Stephen McNallan, uh, as we just mentioned. Uh, he's doing some very interesting work here in Tennessee that I think you'll want to know about. Ruben Caleb, former member of Parliament in, out of Estonia, uh, was the speaker immediately after lunch. I followed Ruben. The title of my speech was Reasons for Optimism. I actually posted to the politicalaccessible.org just yesterday the video of my speech from the Countercurrents Conference last fall, where I was the banquet speaker. And a lot of the elements of that uh, were included in my speech, but it was updated. And uh, I would say, I don't know, maybe about 50% of that, 50% new content today. Gregory Hood, I uh, was ready to go, I tell you what. Gregory Hood, and then as we mentioned, the keynote speaker tonight would be Dries Van Langenhove uh, from Belgium. And then uh, tomorrow, uh, the two Lions, uh, the two Lions, our champions, Jared Taylor, and Sam Dixon tomorrow. So, and we're seeing a lot of friends and faces, Keith, from battles past. Uh, people from the old Council of Conservative Citizens, Linda Baum, Bill Lord, Ray you. Martin. Yeah, you know, all of these wonderful people. Uh, people who've been involved in this since before the year 2000. Yeah, it's really incredible uh, the longevity of this. Yeah, that's right. But it's it's good, you know. We've been around long enough. We've had a lot of friends, and some of the friends we haven't seen in in some time. So it's been great to uh, rekindle those acquaintances. Well, Keith, you mentioned my talk. If you don't mind, and if I could ask you, uh, uh, what was the? How would you convey to the audience what we talked about? The, the royal we that is. Well, it was really kind of a call to arms, telling people just exactly the dire straits that we're in and how it's really working to our advantage as members of uh, white advocacy. The left has done more in the past uh, five years than we could have done in 20 years to move us to the forefront, to move our issues to the forefront, to make people aware of what's going on. And it's really incredible 
you know, what it's happened to. It's, uh, you know, our movement has gained so much momentum in the past, uh, well, really, ever since Trump went down the escalator. That's what we were talking about, how so much has changed that, of the political... You mentioned Trump numerous times. And I said inadvertently he has caused this to come out. He has caused the left to go so unhinged. If they had any discernment, if they had any awareness, they would just wait him out and then let the demographic clock continue to, to tick. But because they are so drunk on their hatred of us, they are overplaying their hand, and it's caused a great awakening of racial consciousness that is still nascent, but it is developing. And, of course, the situation has just continued to deteriorate in terms of the social cohesion. It's going to open up some opportunities. That was basically the, the gist of the talk. Well, and it was, uh, you said it was a time for optimism, it was a cause for optimism, it really is, because our movement, if things have just been going along the way they had in 2013. Uh, Mitt Romney is your standard bearer, John McCain, you're not going to win with guys like that. Yeah, and you're also not going to get... No matter who wins, up. we lose, yeah, that's and right. Trump, Trump absolutely pushed all their buttons. He is uniquely positioned to cause them to overreact. And that's what they've done, and as a result, many people are put down or turned off by it, and they've moved to our side. All right, we're going to take our first break for the evening. We're going to have one haymaker uh, after another, people coming in. Uh, and I think Brad Griffin's first on deck, but uh, we got to find him. <laughs> so let's see if we can find him, and we'll be right back. Materialistic science states the universe and everything in it emerged from an unguided, chaotic expansion of space-time-matter-energy labeled the Big Bang. But far from being the result of a chaotic Big Bang, the universe was initiated and put into ordered motion by the Creator. Thomas Jefferson, in the Declaration of Independence, attributed the laws of nature to the Creator, nature's God. Now the Declaration of Wide Independence by Kyle McDermott sets the record straight from the inception of the laws of nature and of nature's God to the right of all the peoples of mankind to be self-governing within their own homelands. This book provides an ideology to utterly defeat the woke globalist communist tyrants. The Declaration of Wide Independence is a highly recommended addition to community, college, and university library philosophy collections and supplemental curriculum studies lists. Available at the Dixie Republic and Traveler's Rest, South Carolina, DixieRepublic.com, and at Barnes & Noble. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9:6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the line of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries.
Is that live? Yeah. So how much time? How much more time do we have? We have to go back to work. Okay. Yeah. Well, I tried to get Sidney Allen. I couldn't find him. And yeah, I spoke with Sheila. Hello, everybody. This is Keith Alexander. somebody right now. All right, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Our first guest of the night is, he doesn't need the, uh, the headset because we're not taking calls. Our first uh, guest of the night is an esteemed guest indeed, Reuben Caleb, who gave a wonderful speech towards the 21st century ethno-nationalism, a former member of parliament from Estonia. Hello, great to be here. And I have very uh, much coveted uh, one of your appearances on this program. As I shared with you earlier, we do a special series called March Around the World where we talk with different uh, thought leaders and elected officials throughout Europe. And uh, as Keith Alexander and I had probably the shortest trip of anyone here, two hours from Memphis, you came all the way uh, from the Baltic area. You came from Estonia, and uh, you're here now, and uh, we're honored to have you. Yes. And it's really great to be here, and uh, it's my second uh, time in America and speaking at the Amaran Conference. Uh, first uh, I was in 2016, and uh, that was uh, before I was elected anywhere, either in the city council or the parliament. I would actually say, as I said in my speech, that uh, the scandals uh, in the Estonian liberal press that followed my first speech at Amaran were the one thing that uh, uh, that got me this, uh, this support and votes that uh, allowed me to enter the balance. Well, I want to talk to you about two things in the, in the limited amount of time. I would love to have you on later, perhaps after you return home for a full hour, because I think it would be fascinating to learn the issues uh, on the ground in Estonia and some of the things that Estonians are faced with. Uh, but I actually pulled Ruben from a gaggle of uh, admirers. He was in the middle of uh, holding court, and uh, he uh, stepped away for just a few minutes to be on the program. But I'd ask you two questions. Uh, the first question would be number one, getting elected to parliament, I mean that is an amazing accomplishment, no matter what the nation, that, that nation's parliament, uh, that nation's governing body, you were elected having been fully outed as somebody that had these beliefs, how does that happen? That's remarkable as, as an American to see people in Europe being elected with these beliefs and it's not even, um, it's not even a question, it wasn't even something that they had to dox, I mean you went into that. Right. Well, I would say that in addition to uh, being a strong, outspoken uh, politician who stands up for the nation and uh, his speeches and so on, you also need a great team and uh, organization working for you in uh, election campaign, in, uh, uh, you know, creating all these uh, background, uh, background things without which, uh, uh, I mean, a single candidate uh, would, would lack very much uh, these, these uh, capabilities. Uh, and we had, uh, uh, we still have this uh, well-built, uh, strong nationalist party in Estonia. That's uh, wonderful to hear. Party or uh, ECRE. What were the issues that you ran on? What, when you were campaigning, what were the issues that propelled you into elected office? Uh, I actually built my campaign on uh, uh, three uh, slogans. I stand for Estonian nation, Estonian uh, independence, and Estonian nature. Uh, 
these are two, uh, these are three things that uh, we must uh, uh, preserve in order to have our country uh, to uh, have something to uh, give to our descendants and for them to uh, to live in the country that their forefathers fought for. And that was obviously a message that was well received by your constituents. Uh, is the allegation of so-called racism is it, is it interpreted and understood in a different way over there than it is for Americans? Is it something that's a negative stigma? Is it something that they don't really? Depends. I think uh, uh, it doesn't uh, necessarily carry that kind of stigma as it does in America. And, uh, when I was asked about this in interviews and so on, I always said that for me it's a meaningless world. Meaning is word. It uh, doesn't uh, uh, doesn't mean anything in the ideological uh, sense. It uh, it's just a curse word by the leftists for the people who stand up for the record. And I, I have heard that in Eastern Europe, it really is sort of received in a different way because you don't have this so-called diversity and multiculturalism over there that we have here. So just, you know, I, I don't think it, as you said, it doesn't pack the same, the same punch. What are the issues in Estonia right now? What are, the, what are the main issues facing the Estonian people? What are the main issues that uh, they are concerned well, about? Ultimately, the most important issue uh, in, in uh, long term, but also more and more in short term, is our ethnic survival. Uh, because we are a very small nation, uh, we're just uh, uh, one million people, uh, one million Estonians uh, in a country of uh, 1.3 million, uh, and we have seen, uh, we have a lot of uh, uh, ancient uh, nations around us who uh, are related to us, and we have seen them going extinct, uh, like Finnogic tribes living in Russia. Uh, they, they used to be great nations with great histories. Now, in uh, many of these uh, these uh, nations, they have just few people who remember their native language and uh, uh, their culture. So, uh, and on the other hand, we also see what is happening in uh, Western Europe and uh, uh, this mass immigration. And uh, more and more Estonian people do understand that uh, if that would happen to Estonia, that would be catastrophic. I would love, as I said a moment ago, Ruben, and again, Ruben Caleb is our uh, guest right now, the first one kicking off this live broadcast from American Renaissance. I would love to have you back on for a full hour. I think uh, Estonia is just such a beautiful place. I've never been, I've, I've read a lot about it, looked at a lot of pictures. Beautiful place, beautiful people. Uh, I would love uh, to dive in more with you at, at, a, at a greater extent at, at a later time. Uh, but is there a sense of identity amongst Estonians that surpasses that of the Western European nations? And if so, is that identity more nationalist, more nationalistic, or racial? There's a very strong nationalistic identity in Estonia. It is because the whole reason why we have our uh, own independent nation states for just one million people uh, is because we need this homeland to preserve our people. Uh, if, if we didn't uh, think or care about that, we could just uh, join our uh, richest neighbor like Sweden. Would you say that, I, I'll just ask very quickly, and then i got to get a question to Keith as well, i got about two minutes left, but would you say that the health of Estonia is better than that of Western Europe? Uh, yeah, definitely. We look at uh, uh, 
uh, if we look at the ethnic identity, uh, national feelings, and uh, also the underlying spirituality uh, below that, uh, which everything that of uh, that is based on, uh, we have. Uh, I think even uh, uh, even the most liberal Estonians have a grasp uh, at some level of that national identity. Last question, kid. We got one minute. I've noticed a difference from your speech and from also speaking with a young lady from Latvia uh, earlier in this conference. There's a difference between the movement that we both represent here in America and what you were representing in in Europe, everybody seems to be interested in your specific nationalism. We talk about white nationalism. In other words, as far as we're concerned, you can be from Finland or from Sicily as long as you're uh, European and white. You uh, part of our family. Explain nations and ethnicity over I think it's very important uh, not to uh, view these two layers of identity, the uh, ethnic, national and uh, racial civilizational identity as uh, in opposition. I think uh, they both help each other, they support each other, they're part of one whole. Uh, and uh, having roots in a very specific place, in very partic particular culture, uh, uh, it only strengthens uh, also the feeling of uh, larger regional, racial uh, uh, feeling of unity. Ladies and gentlemen, Ruben Caleb has been our esteemed uh, and featured guest here this first uh, appearance of the of the night. Uh, the speeches that you missed, if you're not here in person, will be available at the American Renaissance website very soon. Ruben, how else do people find you and stay in touch with you? Uh, well, uh, right now, I'm, uh, when I left Parliament, I went to live in countryside and I uh, <laughs> basically feel that I, I want to uh, be in social media as, uh, as as less as possible. <laughs> You're taking it. Oh, I see. You're taking a little break. For you, can spiritual me, you can find me on Facebook and uh, you can uh, write me an email, uh, ruben.falap.gmail.com. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Ruben, call up everybody. Give him a big round of applause. Wonderful. Thank you, my friend. Listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News. I'm Jerry Barmash. The Fulton County District Attorney is expected to present the Trump case to a grand jury as early as Monday. Former Georgia Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan has confirmed to the Atlanta Journal Constitution he has been called to testify to the grand jury on Tuesday. This means Fannie Willis will have to begin presenting her case regarding allegations of Donald Trump conspiring to overthrow the 2020 election results in Georgia. The Iowa State Fair is the center of the political universe this weekend as the top 2024 Republican hopefuls try to gain support. Former President Trump was at the fairground in Des Moines on Saturday, as was this Republican voter. I like what Trump could do if he just kept his mouth shut. Right. So that was the thing. And so I, I don't he's not a good leader. He's I liked his philosophies and what he was trying to accomplish. But the way he went about it, it's not good. Trump's top challenger, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, was also at the fair. 
At least 80 people have been killed on Maui as search and rescue operations continue in the resort town of Lahaina. FEMA Operations Director Jeremy Greenberg talked about how quickly the Hawaii wildfire spread. As you can see from the pictures, this was an amazingly devastating fire. Uh, when you talk about these, these types of fires moving as, as quickly as the length of a football field in 20 seconds or less. Local officials fear the death toll will continue to rise with hundreds of people still unaccounted for. Millions living in the Pacific Northwest are bracing for excessive heat. Western Oregon could set temperature records on Monday and Tuesday with highs in the triple digits. It will also be unseasonably hot in Seattle with highs in the 90s. Toyota is recalling nearly 170,000 new model Tundra pickup trucks to fix a problem with the fuel line. This is USA News. Hi, this is Michael creator of Michael's MNP Supplements. Let's talk energy. Do you wake up tired even after a full night's sleep? Does keeping up with your family and or your job leave you exhausted by noon? Do you find yourself turning way too early in the day and too often to caffeine-loaded drinks just to get you through it all? Why not turn to Michael's MNP's Energy... Hi, I'm Wayne Alaroot for Revive Health. Revive is an inexpensive alternative or supplement to traditional health care. It's perfect for independent contractors, gig workers, and small business owners. What you need is flexibility, portability, affordability, and ease of access. You also need convenient care that you can get anywhere. That's what Revive is. Affordable, flexible, portable, fast, simple, health care anywhere. Revive treats you like you are the CEO of your own Fortune 500 company. Usually you can only get access to a product like this. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we are live from the American Renaissance Conference. You just heard from Ruben Caleb, all the way from Estonia, Keith. He had a little bit harder, uh, <laughs> harder, harder. <laughs> That's for sure. Let's bring another esteemed guest on, a gentleman uh, like Ruben, making his first appearance here at this conference. People, men we knew by reputation uh, before today, but now we know in person. Stephen McNallan is with us, and he gave a speech this morning. Stephen, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. As close as you can. Perfect. You got it covered. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. How's that? Everybody? That's perfect. You are set up the way we need you to be. All right. Uh, so I will use my radio voice and try to get over the gin of uh, sound in the background. Share with us, uh, Stephen, first of all, who you are. And say hello to the audience and introduce yourself. Well, I'm Stephen McNallan. Uh, I'm the founder of the Ossetrue Folk Assembly, which is a Native European uh, religious organization. Uh, and I have been involved with that for somewhat more than half a century, along with one or another. Um, it's great to be here at this gathering where I can hear um, people of, of European heritage who, who love who they are and who love their people. Everything here is entirely positive. It's upbeat. It's encouraging. It's uh, it's just a real delight to be here and, and around people that are motivated and trying to do the right thing. 
I, I read some very interesting things about you not too long ago and things that I very much uh, enjoyed reading and things that I liked. I, uh, you're interesting in so much as you're native Texan, if I understand correctly. Uh, Confederate, uh, veteran, or, not a Confederate veteran, but a, a, I'm not a, a <laughs> excuse me, the descendant of Confederates. Uh, that's right. I You know what I meant. Uh, but uh, a native Texan now living in California, but doing some very interesting work right here in Tennessee. Yes, yes. Um, here at this conference. Um, uh, we, we've got, of course, the, the relationship with folks here, but uh, the, uh, the also through Folk Assembly, which I, I don't actually, I'm not representing it per se. My wife is the one who actually could tell you a lot about that. But uh, yes, the, the, the organizations that I'm affiliated with, the ones that, that follow the old, the old, old European ways, um, yeah, it's, we, we got stuff happening. Hey, you got a big laugh or uh, really applause, I think, out of the audience today as you were making a, a point. Uh, the thunder roared through. Uh, we had a little bit of a, uh, almost looked like a hurricane come through. I was in the restaurant for a part of it, and there was some sort of a monsoon happening to uh, drowned out uh, some of the uh, belligerents outside <laughs> for a few assembled today, but uh, that, that thunder accentuated a point you were making during your talk. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, the the situation in Tennessee, uh, we've talked about it, uh, building parallel communities, uh, places where people can come together uh, and support one another, and uh, not just in spirit or in, in theory, but uh, very tangible. Uh, in order to do that, you got to have land. you got to be doing some things that you have a hand in. Well, you got to have land. you got to have, uh, you know, mature people that are involved in your particular project. Uh, you need to plan it out carefully before you do it. Um, and uh, there will always be personnel problems, and, you know, people are going to sometimes not agree with each other. But you can try to get people that are on the same frequency, who share your ideals, who share your goals, and who share your enthusiasm. Uh, absolutely right, and uh, so, and that's what I love about gatherings such as this, because you, you uh, it's as one of our sponsors put it, uh, you, uh, there's no strangers, just friends who haven't met yet, and I, I have this philosophy where if, uh, you know, if we can find one area of agreement, let's lock in on that, and let's foster that, let's work together uh, to, uh, to build upon that, as opposed to looking for things looking for reasons why we should disassociate. Well, I, did, I, I, I like him on all of these other issues, but I, I don't like this particular aspect of the program, so we're just going to break company and, and continue to be separated. Anyway, that's a, that's a little parenthetical departure. But uh, break down, if you could, uh, with the couple of minutes we have remaining, uh, your talk today. Uh, the, uh, for those who missed it, uh, for those who have to wait for the video to be ready, uh, give us uh, maybe a two or three minute synopsis of what you shared with those here today. I'll see if I can as I describe it, it sounds like some high intellectual thing, but it really isn't. I gave a quick summary of Dr. Carl Jung's material on the collective unconscious and specifically on the Wotan archetype. Now, I personally have followed the old gods of the North for somewhat more than, than half a century. Um, I certainly do not demand that others do so or expect them to. Um, but uh, I, it is my way, or one of my ways of approaching my European heritage. Because of that, I feel a deep attachment to our people. Because the, the faith and the people go together. Um, it's... Um, 
It's an interesting time we're in. You know, you predicted back in, uh, well, about two years before I was born, that we would see the the wisdom aspect of, of the, the Germanic god Wotan, which was, you know, Odin to the Norse uh, and Odin to the Saxons. Uh, that, that we would see his his wisdom side manifest after all the turmoil of the 1940s and all the stuff going on in the middle of the, of the last century, and I, I we are on the edge of that. We we are we're in a position to see this happen. I think we can see a revival of the European descended peoples that will will sprout and bring us all happiness. Let me ask you this, Stephen. This being a a, a the Christian program, and uh, us being from a Christian background, and I have uh, shared my uh, experiences in the church, both good and bad, and I am more than capable of not just seeing, but articulating uh, the deficiencies of, uh, of the church these days uh, with regards to our issues. Uh, let's talk about networking and cross-pollination amongst Christians and uh, those who subscribe to, to your belief, because here's the thing, uh, of, of course, Oh, this is how uh, I was born and raised. Uh, I, I appreciate uh, the nest in which I flourished. Got me here today, sitting here and speaking at Amrit and sitting with you. Uh, but uh, I, I, I see this as I know that not everybody in our movement obviously shares the Christian faith. Uh, and there are a lot of Christians that I can't stand to be in the same room with. So, uh, and, and when it comes down to it, I will always want to network with people who are working for uh, the betterment of our race. So talk about, uh, is there a cooperation that you've noticed between Christians and uh, and those in your community? Yes. Uh, yeah, we, our, our, our community, also true is the former name of our religion, so we are also true art. Um, and, you know, and the thing is, we have so much in common. We have so much in common. We believe in honor. We believe in courage. We believe in truth. We believe in the future of our people. That's the tie that binds. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's what I wanted to get get to. Yeah, and and you know, I just want to emphasize that you know, I was everybody I knew when I was a child were Christians. My mother, my father, everybody I knew. So I absolutely do not have not hearing some sort of an anti yes Christian. I wanted to get to this. I appreciate you addressing that. But of course, going back to our Confederate ancestors, who I know that you have a great affinity for. Oh my goodness, yes. Yes, my hero. Yes. Here, here. It's, um, it's, we, we can't afford to squabble over stuff like this. Uh, I, I will defend the rights of Christians to, to their beliefs. I will fight alongside them, and to, not to be dramatic, but if it came to dying next to them, I'll, I'll share blood with them. I would say the exact same thing in response to what you just said. I would double down on that. I believe the exact same thing. I mean, of course, there's a different sort of brotherhood and camaraderie that you and I can have for one another, even though we don't necessarily share the same faith, that I can't share with other Christians who have just completely sold themselves out to the official narrative. To, I mean, it's just a sickening thing to, to, to witness. But I appreciate you sharing that because I, this was the point. Uh, and you, double, you you said it without me even having to, to prompt you, but I, I feel the exact same way. Uh, we will uh, stand 
shoulder to shoulder uh, when, when the rhetorical or perhaps even the literal shooting starts. If it comes down to and that, it'd be an honor. If it comes down to that, I would be glad to stand by your side. And I, you, my friend. Uh, how can uh, people find out a little bit more about your efforts and uh, stay in contact with you? We got about a minute remaining. Okay. Um, well, um, I can be reached at Post Office Box 445, Nevada City, California, 95959. Email? Uh, uh, email gmail.com. That's wolfagemedia, lowercase, all run together. <laughs> and uh, and I'll be glad to, to correspond with anybody who's interested. The website? In you got a website uh, at uh, Steve McNeil. Stephen. Stephen McNally. With a PH. Stephen with a PH. That would be me. Uh, not a PhD, just a PH. Yeah. Stephen with a PH. Uh, and uh, I hear the music beginning as we go into our next break, but uh, I believe it could have, I think it was the SBLC. I read a most impressive article about you recently that again goes back to that groundbreaking in Tennessee, literal groundbreaking uh, that uh, your organization has part of. And uh, we will uh, stay tuned and uh, we will talk to you again very soon. Stay tuned, everybody else. We'll be back. Hello, TPC family. It's James, and I've got to tell you that I sleep better at night knowing that there are organizations like the Conservative Citizens Foundation. The purpose of the Conservative Citizens Foundation is to promote the principles of limited government, individual liberty, equality before the law, property rights, law and order, judicial restraint, and states' rights, while, at the same time, exploring the dangers posed by liberalism to our national interests and cultural institutions. The Conservative Citizens Foundation also seeks to educate the public on the dangers of extremist ideologies like critical race theory and cultural Marxism. I've worked with the good people at the Conservative Citizens Foundation for many years and their work comes with my complete endorsement. For more information and to keep up with all the latest conservative news headlines, please check out their website, MericaFirst.com. That's M-E-R-I-C-A-1-S-T.com. MericaFirst.com. As you are aware, America is divided over every fault line possible. This is intentionally fostered by those who do not love God, family, or country. We believe a peaceful future as a free people absolutely depends on civility. Clarion Call for Civility is looking for funding and volunteers at every level to make our hopes and efforts a reality. Please donate, sign our pledge, and help us in our sacred cause. Please visit callforcivility.com for more details. Callforcivility.com. My name is Christian Knuckles. I prophesy there will be no revival until the church leadership stops lying to the people. I'm the first soldier of the spiritual body of Christ, the Lion of Judah, the Confederate Church of Christ. I'm here to declare the lion will lie down with the lamb when the lying stops. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries and brought to you by confederatechurchofchrist.com. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, with another prestigious face in the crowd, none other than uh, 
Mr. Hunter Wallace himself, Brad Griffin of Occidental Descent, and he is joined by his lovely wife, Renee. Nay bomb. Uh, is that how you say it? Yeah, Renee. We will sing Just Walk Away, Renee, before the end of the night. I always do that when I'm around Renee. But anyway, uh, <laughs> the daughter of the late, great Gordon Baum. Any reason to invoke the name of Gordon Baum, we will take advantage of. And so tonight, with both of you here, that's right, Gordon Baum. We've got a lot of council guys here tonight. Thank you. Uh, God bless Gordon. I know he's looking down on us from heaven. Brad, it's great to have you with us tonight. I know you were with us not too long ago, uh, just, uh, what, three or four weeks ago, within the last month, it seems, you made your most recent appearance on TPC. Uh, what do you think about the conference so far? And get as close as, you got to almost kiss that thing. you got to have yeah, that yeah. right on it. Uh, we're getting bad comments from Rich Hamlin saying he can't hear people. So. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. yeah, that's fine. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me, James. <laughs> um, it's great to be here at the conference, and great to see everybody. Once a year, yeah, we all get together. That's right. At least, at least once, at least once, maybe twice. Uh, <laughs> but not nearly enough. But it never seems like it's been that long because everything's a blur now. You're in the same stage of life that I'm in. He's in a different stage. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but we've got the kids and uh, everything's so busy and uh, it's just like a time warp. It just blurs and it's just you know. It, We're in the Gen X that stage. Yeah, that's right. You and I are running around the same age and in the same generation. I had to say, I love what you wrote recently at OD about how we are positioned at the intersection of. Uh, I actually just read this last night. I didn't know you were coming. I'll, I'll share this story in a second. But anyway, uh, we exist at the uh, intersection of uh, Christianity white nationalism and neo-confederacy, I think is how you put it. There you go, southern nationalism. That's right. That's where we're at. That's that's where we have uh, parked ourselves. But from there, we network with a lot of different people. You just heard from Stephen McNallan, who I have a lot of respect for. Comes from a different... Uh, a different place, uh, needless to say, but uh, we're still uh, a lot of commonality on, on, on certain key issues. Well, anyway, Brad, I think and I hope uh, if there's one person in the in the room today that enjoyed what I had to say, I hope it was you. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Yeah, 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 I recognize a lot of you. It's a lot of the same ground. That's absolutely right. And I had to make mention of Brad. I don't want to be like Reverend Dr. King and just outright plagiarize that attribution. I wanted to give the credit to Brad during my talk, and I, I think I mentioned you at least twice that, hey, this is... A, this is what Brad put together. Right? This is, oh, and here's another Brad quote uh, from Occident. Get a round of applause, by the way, there uh, during the, uh, the the talk today. But yeah, I mean, as I said during uh, during my address, you have just an uncanny knack of being able to put into the spoken word uh, or in the, in the written form exactly what I'm seeing and want to articulate. So. You know, I'll be a little lazy. Why am I going to try to improve upon exactly the way I see it? We'll just say, hey, we'll just read it. You're like an, a, 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 a de facto and unofficial producer of the show. Because I think I, I say this uh, pretty much every week. Every week we say, well, Occidental Descent. Let's, you're always getting a quote. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, it's pretty, pretty bold uh, stuff that the ground we covered here. Um, and we'll see what happens next year. But do you agree, though? And we, you and I and uh, Jared Taylor and Mark Weber were sort of in a, a sidebar there uh, earlier today. It may not 
next year i think you know the trump but talk about what's coming next year because i i love what you, again i love what you said i love it so much i haven't given my talk today that as we sit here in what could be the last normal summer people really i don't think are factoring in or comprehending how next year could play yeah, out yeah i mean i mean I, I really do i really do think like even though everyone or even though everyone around us absolutely see everything that's going on. There really isn't an awareness of how extraordinary of how extraordinary the situation is where you have like a, a presidential race like the next year with Donald Trump winning the Republican nomination and probably being sent to prison in the middle of the race. How extraordinary destabilizing how radical of a move that is. At least Lincoln and, was moderate enough to only lock up and, entire and, state legislatures. He didn't arrest Jefferson and James, Davis. And, and James, you gotta you gotta look at it. It's in the context of a bunch of other things. Law, unprecedented lawfare. Like you, you know you, you saw his he also got convicted of raping EJ E. Jean Carroll in New York. That's just a, another thing um, I brought up today and he's saying, hey I I am not even gonna go to these yeah, I didn't even go to the defamation trial. I know I can't get a fair trial there, in New York there, or D.C. There, there are so many things that's happening that we, we can't even listen uh, Brad, I've got something for you that you may not know, which is which is a tall order, I might add. But uh, somebody in the Atlanta area who is here tonight uh, mentioned to me that at the courthouse in Atlanta, CNN crews are posted around the clock waiting for Fonnie Willis to issue the next indictment and arrest. Yes. and see, That's imminent. And James, you see, you see I mean... The theory is, is that you know Trump is facing um, already over 75 felony charges, and it's, it's probably going to get up to at least another dozen within the next week. But these are these charges coming out of Georgia or state charges. So even if you, in the event he was elected president and he was able to pardon himself, he wouldn't able to be able to pardon himself of the state charges. So in theory, he could be elected president of the United States and be convicted by an Atlanta jury. And sent to prison by uh, prosecutors. Well, Keith and I talk about this all the time. It's just you know you always hear, oh my God, how terrible it would for a black man to have an all-white jury in the South in the 50s and 60s. But I tell you this, they could flesh out real justice a hell of a lot better than any of us going from the majority black I mean, jury my, in Atlanta or New York or my, my whatever. Major, my major point I'm making is that if you just look around. All, all, all the signs of how bad things are going are obvious. Whether it's lawfare, whether it's impeachments, whether it's riots, whether it's interventions by FBI, whether it's uh, selective prosecutions, um, there's, there's no one is willing to compromise. Everyone is going going down these extreme, the most extreme paths possible. And when it absolutely does, if it does ignite in a conflict. Um, We'll look back on this year, and it's like you know, it's, it was it was so obvious it was coming, and that's my idea. quick question. Close to the mic as you can, Keith. Yeah, uh, Brad, I'm not absolutely certain that he cannot be pardoned for uh, state charges. I think that uh, you know, Mark Levin, who confesses to be an expert on everything, he said, <laughs> said that you can. The president can pardon himself, he can pardon uh, anyone in the United States or 
anywhere, basically, for anything. Now, compare what is in the cards for Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. Donald Trump has lost his opportunity. Basically, everything that's happening with the impeachment trial of Joe Biden, that's just for show. That's to get, and basically, the public knowing what he did, because there's no chance in the world that the Senate which is run by the Democrats, is going to find Joe Biden guilty and remove him from office. They hope they're doing it. Basically, our legislature, our national legislature, has been co-opted into a political show-and-tell situation. Both parties, not even getting any legislation. And, you know, Joe Biden, on the other hand, has real serious criminal charges pending against him. On the other hand, Donald Trump's uh, offenses are supposed to for the most part, record-keeping and record-attention. So, you know, there's just no, <laughs> That's a great point. Got no mutuality between you know, what one has done versus the other. And the fact that we are to take Trump's Jeopardy much more seriously than Joe Biden's is a miscarriage of justice in and of itself. Before, before Brad answers, I would say, I mean, this is what the courts and the so-called justice system have come down to. You wrote it again, Brad. It just all that matters now is not the law, but whose side you're on. Right, and exactly. And there's another there's another scenario where uh, suppose Trump dodges somehow miraculously the vast majority of all these charges and he gets off of it and. Um, Florida and New York and D.C. Suppose he magically dodges all these bullets. And suppose they've, only got to, they've only got to connect on one, right? Yeah, yeah, but suppose he actually goes down on one, he said the president, suppose the Supreme Court intervenes and says, no, no, Trump, uh, you, can't, you, can't, you can't prosecute. Let's say the Supreme Court rules in favor of Trump and lets him out. And then he wins the election. And then it's the other side of the coin where the left, you know, being so worked up over affirmative action, abortion, and already hates the Supreme Court. Roger. Um, it's just going to, sh I mean, we, we have we have set up a scenario that's you going to share our Well, Brad, let me ask you this. This was another thing we talked about. I mean, uh, and we've got about two minutes remaining. Obviously, folks, if you're not going to Occidental Descent every day, not only am I there every day, I'm like, come on, Brad, give me another one. Refresh, refresh, refresh. There it is. All right, Occidental Descent, one of my favorite websites in the whole world, maybe the favorite website in the whole world. Uh, that I that I go to, and uh, but I mentioned this today too. People have been saying the collapse is imminent. Uh, I can't get any worse since the 70s. But uh, you and I, this was what we were talking about. One minute left in our sidebar with Jared and uh, Mark earlier is that it may not happen next year. Although all of this going on with Trump that we've been talking about could be the catalyst. It's probably going to take something a little more severe. Our people are certainly going to have to go through harder times. Before they become tough enough to do what's necessary, uh, but you do think that within the next few years there is going to be an event that uh, recalibrates things and uh, allows this boil to uh, the simmering boil to be vented one way or another James, for the good James, and the bad. James, I don't see I don't see any ending where this doesn't end in uh, some kind of constitutional crisis. I mean, there's some there's so many multiple paths there. They were inevitably going to end up in some kind of constitutional crisis next year, and it's, it's, it's true. People have been saying like things have people have been predicting a collapse forever, but and that hasn't happened, obviously. But um, in the long run, the scheme of things, 
things do ultimately come true. And this seems to be the pattern. Well, if you want to know what I think about it, go to OccidentalSit.com and read what, <laughs> read what Brad's been posting. Hey, Brad, I love you, buddy. And uh, I love you too, Renee. Y'all are family. Appreciate it. And it's great to be here with you tonight. So uh, the first hour uh, live from the floor of the American Renaissance Conference is in the bag. You've heard from Ruben Caleb. From Estonia, Stephen McNallan and uh, Brad Griffin. We'll be back in the second hour next. All right. Herbs have been used by people since the dawn of time. When Rockefeller introduced allopathic medicine, many herbal remedies fell by the wayside as people put their faith in prescription pills and the world just gets sicker. Here at Heathen Herbs, we look to the past and to nature for answers. We offer tinctures, magnesium skin cream, lip balm, tooth powder, colloidal silver throat spray, and more. Check us out at heathenherbs.com. You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have, as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover selfdefensefund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. Are you prepared to bug out? Infidel Body Armor and an Army Ranger have produced a high-speed DVD and book to show you how to drive in combat, patrol, and how to survive in combat. Skills you'll need when it hits the fan. Go to DrivenDVD.com. DrivenDVD.com. You're listening to Resolution Radio. 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 ResolutionRDO.com. In ancient times, man roamed the earth in a constant state of hunting or being hunted. Introducing Caveman, where cutting-edge science meets ancient super nutrients. Secure your bottle right now at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to the Political Cess Pool on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607 203 Five four two three. You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. Ladies and gentlemen, I am embarrassed. I am surrounded by an embarrassment of riches here right now. Ladies and gentlemen, two of our most favorite guests are seated at the table together. Roger Deppin, who will be coming up next, and then the, the lion himself, one of the other lions. We have a few lions here. Uh, but Peter Brimelow. <laughs> Peter Brimelow. And I ain't lying, either. Uh, Peter <laughs> Brimelow, editor of pdare.com. 
you just you, you walk around the and just trip over celebrities and here's Peter and uh, he's sitting in to say hello for just a few moments Peter it's great to have you normally you're on for a full featured hour tonight you're just stopping in for a cameo either way any way we can get Peter Brimelow is always our honor how you doing tonight my friend thanks for having me James great speech today well thank you for saying that and as a matter of fact that's one of the things I wanted to pick up on because certainly I wanted to make mention of you in the speech because things have measured measurably gotten worse in some ways over the course of the last 10 or 15 years I mean I think obviously so uh, but one of the ways was you know you go back as I mentioned in the late 2000s you were still a regular guest on a lot of these uh, cable news shows oh, yeah. I made a few appearances Jared was a regular now I mean that's all dried up uh, so you say well that's a that's a step back right but the, but as you know the, the, the point of the talk today was to say that uh, in so many other ways our people have really come around I think actually one of the uh, reasons why the, the administration has gone pursuit of the border and why they're taking such fantastic legal risks to, to bring all these people in uh, is because they are frightened. Uh, I don't know whether they're frightened of us, James, or whether they're frightened of Trump, but then I think the 2016 election was a terrible shock to them. And, and they're, they're very far from having recovered from it. I mentioned that. I, I think it was entirely their overreaction. I don't want to give them pointers and give them hints and give them ideas on how to improve their situation, but I, I think that they overreacted to the threat that he was. He was not, I mean, they saw him as the avatar for, and I, Peter, I, I borrow this from you all the time, white nationalism. And of course, the, you know, I don't like that term necessarily. I know you don't either. It seems kind of militant, standoffish, and make people say, hey, what are you talking about? That's kind of weird. wild. But Actually, they, they, I, I don't object to the term. Well, I, they use it interchangeably with white nationalism. I just don't purposes. think, I, oh, of course they do. Yeah, that's I, I don't think I can claim to be a white nationalist because, you know, I think I'm more, uh, uh, my record shows that I'm more of a civic nationalist. But I think white nationalism is completely, in the sense of defending white sure, interests, sure. it's completely legitimate. And we have people on the side who write for us. No, I, I have... Who God is white nationalist. Like you, and, and, and to be sure that we're clear here, I have no problem with it myself, personally. If you call me a white nationalist, I, I will receive it in the spirit it's intended as a, as a compliment. Yeah, quite <laughs> frankly, but, but here's the thing. The thing is that the media uses it interchangeably with white supremacists, so a lot of times people say, oh, what are you talking about? Anyway, uh, we, we won't... Uh, uh, chase rabbits on, uh, on on the definitions of those terms, but now, uh, the, the grand scheme of things, Peter, uh, and, and, and and what we were talking about earlier today is: Do you see uh, that there could be some existential crisis that manifests itself in the very near term? Not theoretically, not something that maybe generations from now will have a chance to. Uh, turn the rudder here, but uh, that uh, as a result of the left's overreaction, and I don't think they could stop it. I think they're so drunk on hatred of white people that they that, that they have no sense of awareness or discernment. I said that earlier tonight. Uh, do you believe that we're rapidly hurtling towards something that is going to... Well, I mean, all it would take, frankly, is uh, 2016 again. <laughs> the, the, uh, no, I mean, at that, that point, when you look at it, they... they That's when it started, yeah. Total control. They control the executive branch and the legislative branch. Now, of course, they threw it all away. But, but from the Democrats' point of view, that's just a specter of death itself. And it could happen again. You can't be sure it won't happen again. I think Trump will probably be in prison. I don't think they're going to allow him to come back, no matter what it takes. I hope. I, on one hand, I hope I'm wrong. I'm going to vote for him. I'm going to vote for him because it's the right thing to do. But I, I wonder if it's better for our people if he becomes this martyr. I don't want to volunteer anyone for martyrdom. But nevertheless, if, it, if it, that's what our, our people need for the greater good, then God's will be done. But... Um, I think that you're right, by the way. I, mean, I don't see any way out of this. It's not that he's guilty of anything particular. It's just that they have they have the judges and they have the jurors in these, in these jurisdictions. And they, they could convict a ham sandwich if, yeah. if they wanted to. Well, that's what he's facing. I mean, 
uh, and, and I, I again. The terrible thing is that they've also, I mean, the, 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 the response to this would be normally mass demonstration. And that's, I think, why they spent so much time crushing the Jim Jason. Exactly. And, and Charlottesville. I mean, if, if you learned any lesson, what, what was the lesson they wanted to transmit from uh, J6 to Charlottesville? If you're a dissident, if you don't go along with the narrative of the system, you better not come out of your house because you're going to go to jail. Of course, it's the anniversary of, of Charlottesville today. Which was a total coincidence. Jerry didn't plan it for that reason, but it, it just, I mean, my God, uh, that was serendipitous in some ways. But uh, anyway, nevertheless, uh, so is it, it is it better for us, in your opinion, that uh, Trump win or lose? Well, it's obviously better that you win. Uh, uh, oh, here's the real question. If he does win, and pardon the interruption, but this is the question I meant to ask. If he does win, do you think he will come in with a vengeance that we didn't see in 2016 when he populated his administration with neocon retreads, or do you think he'll make the same mistake? It, it, it almost doesn't matter, you know. At least at least the, the communists will be out of there. Uh, they, they, they won't be able to dismantle the country at the pace they're doing now. Uh, I, think, I think probably we will see quite a lot of... Uh, Revenge from Trump, and I also think we'll see. Who knows? They'll, they'll probably accuse him of being a, a Martian agent. They just invent something else. I mean, they, they are terrified of him winning, and, and the problem is they, they now know that he can win. That's interesting because I mean, even according to their polls, he never led in a system poll against either Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden, but he's leading now, and I think that that's remarkable because you've had since Hillary Clinton, you, since 2016, you've had another seven years of demographic uh, replacement. It's a bit like the Terminator, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> throwing things at him and, uh, and well, and so where are these people coming from? And, 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 and you know, they just can't, they just can't get him down. Is it the economy that's buoyed him in the polls? I mean, what do you think? How has he turned it around? I think that he has successfully established himself as a, as a, sim, a symbol for white America. And, 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 that, yeah. and it, 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 it's beyond uh, reason. It's, it's, not, it's not a totally rational yeah. thing. He's almost like a Jungian figure. Uh, you know, uh, he has, and he has all the right enemies. Yeah, yeah. Sure does. That's, you know, I mean, of course, he drives everybody crazy. One of the paradox about Trump here, the people who most support his policies. <laughs> because he can't, he can't be relied upon to, to do anything. Uh, but on the other hand, he can't rely on not to do anything either. And that's the problem the Democrats have. He, he's capable of anything. A lot of the gifts that he has given to us perhaps were inadvertent. Uh, but maybe he will be the modern-day Samson that just brings the whole showdown uh, on top of his head. Or maybe it'll take something. But I think whatever happens with him is going to be a necessary stepping stone to the next phase of our people's evolution. Peter, we've got about a minute remaining. Feeder.com, folks, if you're not there every day, if you're not supporting the work of Peter and Lydia Brimelow and Feeder.com, I mean, this is one of the... If, if, if the movement were a tripod, you would be one of the legs along with American Renaissance, and I can't even think of who the third one would be. I mean, that, that you, you are a foundational cornerstone of... Everything. Well, that's very kind of you, So you have to come to the castle sometime. I would love. We're going to come when you put that dragon back up at Christmas time. Okay. <laughs> Peter, Actually, I'm serious about it because we, we, we want that castle to be a place where distance can have conferences. And the town is completely supportive. So, so uh, you know, if there's anybody out there who wants to have a conference, so get in touch with us. Yeah, the, the media really has to hustle to find somebody uh, in town that'll say anything uh, less of glowing praise. Uh, right, Peter Bimelo, everybody, we're coming up on our next break. It's a great Peter Bimelo. And Lydia's clapping from the table down the hall. <laughs>
The Honorable Cause of Free South is a collection of 12 essays written by Southern Nationalist authors. The book explores topics such as what is the Southern nation, what is Southern nationalism, and how can we achieve a free and independent Dixie. The Honorable Cause answers questions on our own terms. The book invites readers to understand for themselves why a free and independent Dixie is both preferable and possible. The book pulls in some of the biggest producers of pro-South content, including James Edwards, the host and creator of The Political Cesspool, and Wilson Smith, author of Charlottesville Untold, Arkansas congressional candidate and activist Neil Kumar, host and creator of the Dissident Mama podcast, Rebecca Dillingham, author of A Walk in the Park, My Charlottesville Story, Identity Dixie's Patrick Martin, and yours truly, Michael Hill, founder and president of the League of the South, as well as several other authors. The Honorable Cause is available now at Amazon.com. Introducing Managed IT Services from NPI. We offer top-notch data backup and recovery, email spam protection, and network security tailored to your needs and budget. With 20-plus years of experience in the medical field, our HIPAA-certified consultants know what it takes to protect sensitive information. Don't settle for less. Give us a call at 801-706-6980 and experience the difference with Managed IT Services. Remember, your IT support should be fast, efficient, and reliable. Introducing PrepStartsNow.com, your ultimate guide to readiness and peace of mind. We offer practical preparedness tools, training, and education to take your family's household readiness to the next level. Browse the prep shop for essential products, check out our planning guides, and stay informed with our prep blog. Visit PrepStartsNow.com and subscribe to our emails for exclusive offers, new products, and future events. Remember, preparedness begins with PrepStartsNow.com. They keep it up. It's up there. Keith, am I right? Is it an embarrassment of riches around us? I mean, everybody who hops on is just somebody that we would normally dedicate an entire show to. And we have one after another. Uh, but also to, it is the place, as I like to put it, where ideas and solutions present themselves. You have to have this sort of person fellowship and camaraderie uh, to have this exchange uh, of solutions and uh, we have a rare bird well tell us uh, I know that you are a very big personal fan of Dr. F. Roger Devlin. Close as you can. You're coming in. He's like a Colossus. You'll take that adjective, won't you, Roger? Yeah, yes. Colossus? You can be a Colossus. But his book, Sexual Utopia in Power. has a <laughs> All right, well, let's say hello to him. And he's, hey, Keith, he's got your seersucker suit on. I'm surprised yeah. you didn't wear the seersucker. I didn't have Labor Day yet. We're dressed the same way. I'm wearing what he was wearing yesterday, and, and yesterday I was wearing what he was wearing earlier today, I think. Of, well, I kind of split it now. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, Keith had a, 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 ward, a wardrobe change. It's like a, uh -huh. one of these, uh, you know, big star like Keith. wasn't a wardrobe malfunction. No. <laughs> Your big star like Keith, it's like uh, some of these pop stars, they got to go into the dressing room in yeah. between their numbers and they come out in a different outfit. That was Keith tonight. I, I saw him and then yeah. he came back and said, 
he, he's dapper, that's for sure. But anyway, Roger, great to have you back. It's always good to talk to you, but always better uh, even still to talk to you in person. Live, so yeah. let's talk about the takeaways from the conference. I want you <laughs> to paint a verbal picture for everybody listening tonight who cannot be here, what they've missed written. Oh, large. oh, well, now uh, you want me to talk about the talks? Well, you talk oh, about the, anything, yeah, the experience, sure, sure. the atmosphere, the talks. Well, I, I personally... I, uh, I was very happy to meet Ricardo Duchesne, yes, somebody whose yes. uh, work I've admired a long time. And, uh, so and I see him back there, yes. actually. He gave a right very uh, highbrow talk on, on liberalism, how the problems with liberalism go, you know, they're not recent, they go all the way back to John Locke. They're based, you know, they're, they're grounded in the, in, the, in the basic philosophy of liberalism. That's an that's a idea I've been... Um, wrestling with every day myself now because I'm translating Alanda Benoit's book on, on uh, called Against Liberalism. I was just telling Professor Duchesne that, you know, th their thinking is very much along similar lines. Uh, so either either man is well worth reading on the on the subject of liberalism. I you know I'm glad you mentioned him and as soon as you spoke his name he appeared. I see oh, him back okay. there yes, at the yes. table looking uh, wearing that hat. Yeah, yeah wearing his hat. Now, yeah. He, what, what kind of hat is that, Keith? You'll fedora? Oh, that's a uh, no, that's a uh, Keith's trying to pick it's it up. Not a fedora. It's like a fifties. Frank Sinatra. Sinatra. Yeah, it has like a Sinatra hat. Yeah, Sinatra. There you go, Sinatra hat. But didn't okay. he wear a fedora, Sinatra? Well, well fedora I don't know. I think it's Indiana Jones. Okay, okay. okay. Nevertheless, uh, we, I think we can all agree that Ricardo Duchesne is uh, well dressed tonight. Uh, well, uh, and of course, you gave a great talk, very upbeat. I, I'm amazed at your ability to be upbeat. I think, <laughs> in a way, you're like me. You, you, uh, there are some people who have. Like um, Greg Hood, now he gave a good talk. Now he has zero illusions about the regime we live under. I think he's, uh, but but you and I occasionally um, are not quite cynical enough. Like you were talking about how you thought you were going to win that uh, lawsuit when they called you I a sure clan leader. Did. Sure, how could you not? It was all, I mean, it was slam dunk, yeah, black and yeah, white. Yeah, I love uh, any opportunity I can to retell that story. And I take advantage of it. I mean, it was, you, it, that was literally the case you could not lose. Yeah, as you say, it's like a textbook example of defamation, saying somebody's in the clan. But Sam Dixon knew, you know, Sam Dixon knew you were going to lose. He told, <laughs> he, he told you. He sure did. And, and, and I, think, I think Greg Hood's got that same, you know, perfect cynicism about the regime. I've come along, under. as yeah. I said, as I yeah. said, in 2017, I put my hand on Sam's shoulder. I said, Sam... Look, I'm not doing this to prove a political point with this lawsuit. You don't want to be known in a majority non-white area as the leader of the Klan. I've done it because I feel as though I've been damaged. I think it's threatening to my family. I, sure. I think that you gotta, you gotta, you gotta fight this. Uh, and he said, "I'd lose." I, I put my hand on his shoulder. I said, "I'm going to restore at least a little bit of your faith." I think, I, I, yeah. I think it's going to the law's on our side. Yeah. Well, he told me better. He said, "There is never, there is right. no chance the system is going to reward uh, and, and find in your favor." And boy, not only did they not, they did it in the most absurd way imaginable. Sure. Keith. Well, what it shows is the total corruption of our judicial system now. You are sorting people to the uh, court that will not give people that are dissidents due process. See, it's just like the Brown Nation Board of Education works. In that case, they normally decide appellate cases based on star decisis, case precedent, or else if it's a statute or a constitutional matter, it's legislative history or statutory construction. 
in the Brown case, they threw all of that out the window and based on something on some black sociologist and half-baked dog The real departure. Well, that's what they, they based yours on, Esau's faith. <laughs> James, yeah, go ahead, Ryan. James the, the law was on your side, but the lawyers were against you, and that, that's all that matters well, this now. Is what, what matters lawyers is and judges. whose yeah. side you're on. If right, you're on the yeah. side of the system, you're going to win, or you're on the side of... Um, our side, you're not. Yeah. Well, it was the affirmative death action judges. Yeah, yeah, the, the jury of my peers. Well, anyway, uh, anyway, uh, the, uh, the the point is, as recently as 2017, I still had a shred of hope that you know, yeah, uh, through through the the, the process, uh, elect the right people. We, I have now no hope in the. Uh, the justice system, the so-called, right. as Sam puts it, the, puts so it, the cool. just us system, yes, J-U-S-T yes. slash U-S, just us system, or in the elections themselves. So this is where I am now, Roger, where I yeah. wasn't quite in 2016 when we filed that lawsuit is, right. I don't want to make America great again. I want to leave it behind and learn from mistakes. But it, it, nevertheless, uh, with a couple of minutes remaining, continue to share your reflections and a, observations from the conference. That's amazing uh, what wonderful people were able to gather here. Uh, Ruben Collett came all the way from Estonia. He was, prevented, he was prevented from coming a couple of times because of the COVID mandates. He didn't want to take the vaccine, but he was able to come in person this year. I, I, uh, so I just uh, got to greet him again. I was in, you know, I was in Tallinn, as we were discussing yeah, last right. six, yeah. six weeks ago. I was in his country addressing uh, a, co a conference he was also at. and. Uh, and now he's. Uh, Y'all been on both sides of the yeah, white world right, together the yeah. last uh, over the course of this summer. Now, yeah, and you did a great job, by the way, that night, Roger, when you last appeared with us, which was just earlier this summer, and breaking down that uh, wonderful gathering in the capital that, of the state. That's right. Uh, three conferences in uh, one month. It was you were all over time. the place. Yeah, yeah. Well, and of course, we ran on June the 27th. Correct. On our website. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. On our website, we posted Roger's uh, speech, which uh, one of the speeches you gave during yeah, your international yeah. tour of Europe. Well, hey, Roger, tell us uh, what are you working on now? You're always up to something. Uh, yes, yes. Cameron, Occidental Descent, reviews, articles, you name it. Uh, well, I, I'm translating now. I do. I'm translating for Greg Johnson some works by Alain de Benoit, as I mentioned. I just completed a, a few weeks ago a book on populism, and I gave a speech on that in Europe, and uh, that book should be out any week now. And I'm in the middle of uh, another book by Alain de Benoit on liberalism, against liberalism it's called, and that should be out next year from Countercurrent Currents Books. Now he's a fascinating figure. Yes. Uh, he cast a, another guy that cast a wide shadow, but that not everybody in our listening audience may be familiar with. Uh, so tell us a little bit of he's a, he's a French philosopher, but he's not an academic. He's uh, retained his freedom by staying outside the academic world. And, uh, and you know, just living as a you know as a freelance writer, and he's very productive. He turns 80 this year. I only ever got to meet him once at uh, Washington Summit, I think, a conference uh, some years back in in Washington D.C. But uh, yeah, he's pretty highbrow, but he's he's fairly accessible for you know any anybody with half an education. Uh, uh, you might you might uh, take a take a look at my speech on on populism to get an introduction to a few of his recent ideas. So as you work on, on these translations, they'll be at counter hyphen yeah. currents. Yes, yeah. yes, the the trans and yes. In fact, Greg uh, Johnson is serializing the translation. 
it's coming out as I do it, and then uh, when it's all done, it'll come out in book form. Roger's so big, one movement stalwart is just not enough to contain him. You can find him at Countercurrents and Ren. Well, you Amaran. wrote the review for the Honorable That's Hall. right. That's right. And uh, I uh, want to thank you for that again. Keith, we've got seconds remaining. Mm -hmm. And he's the only sexologist I know. And I, and I write for uh, Ox, uh, Occidental Quarterly and uh, occasionally for V-Dare as well. Those are my all of the outlets. All of the big dogs. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. All of the big dogs. Well, that's wonderful. Roger Devlin, everybody. Hey, let's hear it for Roger yeah. Devlin. Thank you. News. I'm Jerry Barmash. The Fulton County DA is expected to present the Trump case to a grand jury as early as Monday. Former Georgia Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan has confirmed to the AJC he has been called to testify to the Fulton County grand jury on Tuesday. This means Fannie Willis will have to begin presenting her case regarding allegations of Donald Trump conspiring to overthrow the 2020 election results in Georgia as early as Monday. Willis has said for a few months now that an announcement on an indictment would be coming this month. The Fulton County Sheriff's Office has up security at the courthouse and surrounding streets have been closed if an indictment is sought. This will be the fourth indictment the former president has faced in recent months. I'm Scott Kimmler. Ahead of any potential indictment in Georgia, Trump met supporters at the Iowa State Fair on Saturday. I voted for Trump the first two times. If he's a candidate, I will definitely vote for him again. Um, I think it would be nice to have somebody come in with less drama and trauma. Polls, though, show Trump with a commanding lead over his GOP rivals, despite the indictments. The death toll in Hawaii is at least 80. That would make it the second deadliest wildfire in U.S. history. Hawaii's attorney general is conducting an official review into the state's response to the devastating wildfires in Maui. The probe will also focus on the lack of warning sirens ahead of the state's worst natural disaster. A ban on assault-style weapons is being upheld by the Illinois Supreme Court. A law banning assault-style rifles and high-capacity magazines was passed by state lawmakers in January and signed into law by Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker. It came about six months after the Highland Park mass shooting that killed seven people. The law faced months of legal challenges with opponents arguing it violated both the state and U.S. constitutions. I'm Dave Collins. This is USA News. As a dentist, I know what my patients are saying during times when they really can't speak. She says her gums are irritated. Is there anything you can do? Absolutely. You can try New Crest Advanced Gum Restore. Yep, New Crest Advanced Gum Restore. It detoxifies below the gum line to restore your gums back to health in just seven days. Exactly. Healthy gums, healthy mouth. New Crest Advanced Gum Restore. Healthy, beautiful smiles for life. Hi, this is Michael, creator of Michael's MNP Supplements. Let's talk energy. Do you wake up tired even after a full night's sleep? Does keeping up with your family and or your job leave you exhausted by noon? Do you find yourself turning way too early in the day and too often 
to caffeine-loaded drinks just to get you through it all? Why not turn to Michael's MNP's Energy... Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have done a lot of remote broadcasts from uh, many different events over the years, but I am hard-pressed to find at the halfway point of any given show where we have had this many guests who could demand uh, or command, rather, an entire uh, show or at the very least an hour by themselves. So far tonight, you have heard live from the floor of the 2023 American Renaissance Conference, not on the uh, phone, uh, not dialed in. Uh, but here with us in person across the table from us, Ruben Callop, Stephen McNallan, Brad Griffin, Peter Brimelow, Roger Devlin, and now joining us, uh, one of my all-time favorites, Mark Weber is back with us live, and uh, he is here right now. Mark, how are you doing tonight? It's great to be across the table from you. It's, it's great being with you. I'm with you and uh, Keith here this evening. We've been on the air together, and I'm happy. Um, I, I don't know if anybody else has said this, but you gave a great talk. This uh, thank you. Well, Mark, you know, as I told you, <laughs> thank you guys. As I told you, to have that compliment come from you meant uh, certainly a little bit extra. And I appreciate you saying that. And then I made sure to make mention of you during well, that particular you. talk uh, to invoke the name of Mark Weber is what made it so good. But. Uh, yeah, you have been on the show so many times, Thank but uh, the first time uh, to be with us live uh, and in person. I, I haven't seen you in person in, in some years, and so right. I was so delighted last night when right. we ran into each other. But anyway, uh, let's let's ask you the same question we're asking everybody else to start off with: your takeaways and observations from the conference so far. I think this is one of the most upbeat or uh, encouraging conferences, and the reason for that is that what we're what people say at this conference is more relevant more pertinent and more um, obviously true than it has been in the past people talking theoretically about uh, uh, racial social realities cultural reality, realities in america in the past often did so in a kind of theoretical general way here it is relevant to what's really happening now because we're in a, in America today. Things are breaking down in a way that's obvious to just about everyone now. That's that's really clear, and it's, so it, it's more relevant than it has been in the past. I think. Is there any sort of schizophrenia in play here? Because as you say that, I agree with everything you're saying. Certainly, I said it earlier today myself. But uh, uh, in many ways, things are, are worse than they've ever been before. But at the same time. Uh, there are reasons for optimism that didn't exist yes. before. Well, how do we uh, because, because the <laughs> settle that? Because first and foremost, people need to be aware that we have a problem. And this problem has been in place for a long time. And it's only the, the hard knocks of reality that are crashing in on us from all sides that are making people aware that the issues that we've been talking about for a long time really matter. They really matter. And more and more people are aware of that. And, and, it's, and one of the important things that you did in your talk was cite as specifics, chapter and verse, of a whole lot of examples to show how many millions of Americans now are acknowledging things they would not have acknowledged or not talked about openly a few years ago. Situations and circumstances has forced this moment right, uh, that right. uh, perhaps uh, I, I, if even with our very best efforts, we couldn't have brought the people right towards. Well, and it's inevitable because we've been on a, on a path for a long time by leaders who are carrying out policies based on false premises about life, 
about history, about reality. And the inevitable, the inevitable result is the crisis that people see all around us. Uh, you know, I don't think you have to have an oracle to see that we are probably, or, or be an oracle to see that we are probably heading towards something in the very near future that uh, is, is going to usher in some sort of a resorting. Now, of course, at the same time, Mark, as you know, people have been saying that for decades, right. <laughs> but we've never quite right. gotten there. Right. But you and, believe that it could be nearer right. now than in the, in the 70s, any day now it's going to collapse. Right. I've, I've been hearing this kind of predictions for many, many years over my lifetime. I have a more of a lifetime experience right. than you have. But, but now this is borne out by even uh, a general, a widespread awareness that we're yeah, really, yeah, these are really big problems. It's not just charts showing increase in the national debt or those kind of things. It's a real sense, not only that these problems are bigger, but none of our leaders, and I mean Republican or Democrat, offer any plausible, really credible idea about how this can be made better, how this is going to turn around. That's the really most important thing. People have lost faith and confidence in our leaders, both Republican and Democrat, to turn things around. That's, the, that's a big difference. Okay, I mean, yeah, certainly it is, and uh, so here we are. Uh, but do you think, and this was another point that I, I, I made today, do you think that what is happening with Trump will be enough in itself to spark the sort of upheaval that's going to have to happen before uh, things are settled, uh, or will it be something a little bit more dramatic and, and unfortunate than that? Uh, for me, Trump has always been an expression of things breaking down, a reaction by lots of people who are very unhappy. Uh, he's not. The, the big difference from 2016 is that when he was elected in 2016, many people believed his slogan, he was going to make America great again. Now, I don't think people believe he's going to make America great again. They're registering their protests. They're registering yes, their frustration. Yes, this is a anger. great point. This is an important thing, yeah. And, and uh, Donald Trump, I mean, even if you like Donald Trump, you have to admit uh, he didn't succeed in doing nope. a lot of the things he said. A lot of mistakes, and obviously. Even even appointing people uh, to high positions that later he said. Uh, almost about. unfathomable mistakes that unfathomable. he made. He populated his entire administration with the exact people that he campaigned against. Right. But I wonder, you know, and I don't know if this is too uh, too much of an over-the-top comparison, if it's sort of like Napoleon in exile. He's gone down to Mar-a-Lago over the last four <laughs> years, and now he's coming back. Uh, but I asked this question of Peter Brimelow, and I could probably be convinced either way of this. Is it better for us if he wins or if he uh, is, is martyred? If he wins, uh, the, you might say the deep state, the powerful establishment, even the military, I think would not even accept the results of such an election. Really? You think it would be that side that, that side, doesn't exist? That's, yeah, that bad, that bad. Yeah. I, so, I mean, I, I, I cannot see how millions of people who... Uh, believe in the trajectory we've been going on, and I mean the uh, military deep state would accept the results of, of something like that. Well, I think you're right, uh, Mark. I think that if you win a coup, you always have to have the military on your side, and I think we're basically at that point. If Trump wins, somehow they will find a way by hook or crook for him not to serve if it's assassination, if it's in imprisonment, or, you know, uh, a coup d'etat or whatever. They're going to make sure that there is not a second term of Donald Trump. And where that will leave us is, you know, in uncharted territory. I, I would ask you this very quickly, Mark. 
that Trump is, is leading according to their polls. He never led against Clinton. Or... He's leading only among Republicans. I, I, I don't think he's leading. There right was now. a real, there was one real clear politics poll that showed him leading over Biden. I mean, obviously okay. within the margin of that error. That may change, yeah. But, but within the margin yeah. of error, I mean, okay. it's very scant. But yeah. but it never happened against uh, Hillary or against Biden right. in the first time that he led in any poll at any time. Right. Uh, and I, I wonder if that's accurate. Where these people are coming from? Do you think it's the economy that's bringing them back in? This it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big disappointment with the whole system because Biden, uh, many people have forgotten this, when Biden took office, he promised he was going to eliminate systemic racism in America. <laughs> well, where's the delivery on that? Where's the delivery on all Well, they, if they eliminate it, they can't keep bilking it. <laughs> well, that's true, too. That's true. But to go back to your point, Biden is reelected again. The great question is, will millions of Americans who are very unhappy do anything really to oppose it or will they just sit that's the thing. That, that, that's, that's what the I'm wondering. Well, that's why I think it may not be the Trump election itself. I don't think that makes it hard enough on the people yet who are certainly coming uh, around to our way of thinking. I don't think Trump losing the election itself is going to be enough. Watch out, Keith. Uh, to to bring about the event. I think it's going to be something like an economic collapse or a world war. Well, it, yeah, I mean, it, it, when, when civilizations, when societies fall apart, how do they do it? The answer is slowly and then quickly. <laughs> yeah, I said that yeah, today. I said it very, right. very gradually and then all and, at once. And then fast and then quickly. But, but, it, it, but is there anything protecting the United States from suffering? Well, I say suffering, just experiencing the same ebbs and flows of civilizations and empires throughout the world? America's situation is a lot better than many other empires because we still have tremendous resources. There's a large internal market. The dollar is still number one world reserve currency. America still has some big cards to play. It still is, has advantages like this. At the same time, it's a, city, a, a, a society now that doesn't even have any clear narrative of its own identity as a country. I mean, our Democrat leaders, the leaders of our establishment, repudiate all that our forefathers and the founders of the country stood for. How can a country go to the, in the future when it has no identity of, of its uh, and sense of its own past. I mean, those, that's just one example of how this is a really systemic, I mean, really deeply ingrained crisis. But the question is, will millions of Americans who are unhappy simply just accept it because they don't want to sacrifice anything or go along, or will there be some real reaction? I mean, I mean a brave reaction. One of the amazing things about all the talk about the insurrection of, June, of January 6th is how ineffectual and how unplanned and how unorganized it was. Well, they weren't even armed. It was no insurrection. You can't have an insurrection right. with unarmed right. grandmas. Well, they didn't even know what they, I think they were going to do once they got into the building anyway. Amen. But, yeah, they were just milling around. But the point is, the point is, will there be any more real um, follow through or action or something? They're going to have to get uncomfortable. Comfortable first. They're going to have to suffer first. I mean, that's the only people who are comfortable don't take risks. Anyway, okay. Mark Weber, IHR.org, one of my very favorites, this guy. Mark Weber, give him the big round of applause. Thank you. Hey there, TPC family. This is James Edwards, your host of the Political Cesspool. Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist, independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing America from an America First perspective. 
I've worked with the American Free Press since even before the beginning of TPC. Now that's something. You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling 1-88-699-NEWS, AmericanFreePress.net. In Message 1, we said that Satan, the father of lies, John 8.44, gave the left evil, spiritual power, the more they use the lies. The political left today is the beast. Now, the Bible confirms that the dragon gave him, the beast, his power. Revelation 13.2 The extra evil spiritual power that comes from the beast by their lying is what accounts for the string of the leftist criminals in the government that have never yet been prosecuted. It also explains why American capitalists support communism in the 21st century. Note 1. That behavior of capitalists was predicted by Vladimir Lenin, a cell of the beast. Note 2. Henry Ford was a capitalist, and he would have never gone communist. The difference between Ford and the present day end-time capitalists is that Ford was born and educated in the Kingdom of Christ, 19th century America, the New Jerusalem, Revelation 21. Well, greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the political cesspool, the premier uh, broadcast, really in the world in this age of, uh, of global outreach that we uh, take for granted now. Uh, I'm sitting in for James Edwards. This is Rick Tyler. We're at the American Renaissance Conference, of course, which it's been another uh, stellar event thus far. Everybody, I think, is uh, really enjoying it. I'm getting nothing but positive feedback as I talk to people. I'm always you know, interested in what everybody else is uh, ascertaining about an event such as this and Jared Taylor never fails uh, to come forth with an event that you you look back reflectively and you say you know I thought the last one was going to be the best that I'd ever been to but now this one surpasses the previous years so part of the reason for that though uh, on this particular event that we're at right now is James Edwards being here in the flesh in person uh, James gave a, a phenomenal talk. It was extremely well received by the audience. I was gauging the reaction of the crowd and watching everybody. And uh, James, I've heard James speak a number of times and he never, he never fails uh, to give a very, very exciting, stimulating talk. There's just something about James, just like on the air. He's a natural, if there ever was one. Well, he also is as a public speaker. Uh, he's got a natural gift, and you can tell that he's uh, shooting straight and talking from the heart, and he has a very, uh, very keen uh, power of observation. And, of course, the title of his message today was about uh, the cause and the reason for optimism, and he did really make a good case for that while not looking at it through rose-colored glasses, just citing the facts that we are witnessing the pendulum begin to swing in the right direction. Now, you know, we have light years to go as far as ever bringing about restoration or revival in our, uh, you know, very uh, moribund, you know, culture as it stands right now. But James nevertheless cited the statistical realities that a great many people uh, who are, you know, heretofore have just been kind of blase and lackluster, they are starting to get it. They're starting to understand. Now, maybe too little too late. 
And like I said, James wasn't being uh, glib or, you know, looking at it through rose-colored glasses. He was being realistic. But it, again, the title of his message, uh, you know, it being a cause for optimism, was right on point. Mm -hmm. And it's good to have the balance, uh, to be realistic, but at the same time, uh, not be overly pessimistic, as, you know, many people tend to be. Usually people either go one way or the other, uh, white pill or black pill, you know, optimism or pessimism. But we're getting a good, healthy dose of, of you know, realistic critique of the state of affairs at this Amarin conference, while at the same time, the understanding and realization that there is a lot to be uh, optimistic and cheerful about. Now, I'm sitting across the table right now from Pete Quinones, and he has a podcast, and he's going to tell us a little bit about it, if you're not familiar with it, as to, uh, you know, the, the when uh, the podcast can be heard and the content. And Pete, take it away. Yeah, the podcast is seven years old. It was formulated as uh, the Free Man Beyond the Wall podcast. It was strictly libertarian up until, well, things started changing in 2019, but COVID definitely put it over the edge for me, and I started creeping ever farther right. So um, it's gone through a bunch of changes, covering theory, covering history, covering just the whatever was happening that day, but it's really turned into more of like a revisionist history podcast where I have people on to come on and destroy some of the myths. I think that when you look at when you look at the way things are today, and um, as my friend Thomas calls it, that we live under the Nuremberg regime, that really the one way to start to destroy that regime is to change people's perception of what World War II was. So that's something that I've been really trying to concentrate on for the last year, year and a half is really going hard at the World War II narrative and you know, throwing other things in there. You know, talk about, um, I had Matthew Raphael Johnson, Dr. Matthew Raphael Johnson on the other day, and we um, talked about the history of Ukraine. And um, we went back you know, centuries and brought it to today, why that's happening. So yeah, just trying to change people's perceptions of what history is, because I think if people, People have a tendency to look at what's happening today and judge it by what happened 70, 75 years ago. And if they're judging it upon something that is a falsehood, then what you're seeing in the world today, their vision of the world and what it should be and what they're willing to accept is going to be false as well. Well, it is indeed true that if someone doesn't know the facts about history, there's no way that they can possibly interpret the present and certainly they you know can't prognosticate accurately about the future so i was thrilled to, to stumble upon a, a book called the forced war here this weekend at a very good price and i had somewhere along the way lost my copy of that book but it used to be uh distributed or made available uh through uh, i believe american free press or maybe even its predecessor the spotlight and uh, it's here on one of the book tables today and it's it's a great uh treatise, you know, about what really uh, led to and caused World War II. And Dr. Johnson, of course, does a, a great job. He's uh, very, very interesting to listen to. Uh, former, uh, I guess, university professor, and, and you, you don't have any hard time or trouble uh, recognizing that and believing it when you listen to him. He really knows the facts, especially when it comes to Russia. Well, I'm sitting in this chair, and I think Mark Weber was sitting in the chair before me. Mark Weber started me down the path of this 25 years ago. Um, I was introduced to IHR 25 years ago, and then I started questioning 
that part, that specific part of the narrative of World War II, which seems to be the overarching morality that we're supposed to live under. And um, yeah, so, so being here and seeing people, especially a, a, a legend of historical revisionism by Mark Weber is, is exciting to me. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, this has been, this is my first Amran, so this, you know, I, I was excited. I, my hands were, I, I don't really get fan, like a, turn into a fanboy when meeting people, but meeting Mark Weber today, I was just like, I think my hands were shaking. <laughs> yeah, well, Mark, Mark's a great guy and a great talent and a great intellect uh, of, the, of the movement, and uh, it, is, it is really exciting and, and uh, you know, great to be around people like that. These events are so important for that reason. And there's no substitute for, for being with, you know, people uh, present with them in the flesh like this. And uh, we know that COVID obviously put a big damper on the ability to, to hold events like this. Amren, of course, missed, missed, you know, one year because of that. Thank heavens that uh, everything's back in motion and forward gear. Now, you mentioned, uh, again, your associate that, that refers to our era, our time being the Nuremberg. What did, how did you phrase it? The Nuremberg regime. Uh, basically, he, he's a former lawyer. And he looked at how the law was, basically they created law at Nuremberg to prosecute and execute these men. They were just basically looking at, hey, what did you do? Okay, we're, we're creating a law on the spot that that's illegal. And then they decided to execute all these people. Um, and then when you look what happened afterwards, you know, how Fascism, fascism is such a danger that um, Frankfurt School people like Theodore Adorno, Adorno wrote the authoritarian personality where he has the F scale and however you score on that, it's where you, your potential to be a fascist. And when you look at everything that they were criticizing in that book, it's basically right-wing, historic right-wing thought, family, religion, um, justice, and and swift justice in many cases. And by naming it the Nuremberg regime, basically what you're looking at is you're, that right-wing thought has become criminal since Nuremberg. You know, I, people want to argue, oh, the Nazis were left-wing, the Nazis, you know, the National Socialists were left-wing, that doesn't matter. What matters is what came out of that. And it looks like what came out of the Nuremberg, what came out of Nuremberg was if you have any kind of historic right-wing thought, you're a thought criminal, and you are, we see it today, you're less than human. All you have to do is label somebody a Nazi, and their life doesn't mean anything anymore. They can be killed, That you can punch a Nazi, you can kill a Nazi, and you're a hero. Of course, there are commies running around government, uh, academia, everywhere, and you if you mention their crimes um, and you try to relate them at all, equivocate with uh, anything the National Socialists were accused of, oh, you're just equivocating and that's not allowed. And they can just run rampant and do whatever they want. They can basically control policy and it's fine. You know, they, the, 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 commun you know, the, the Nazis were, the National Socialists were, the fascists were um, evil, just, e just the epitome of evil. And the communists were, they meant well, they just screwed up a little bit. Well, you know, there's nothing more odious than when under the color of law, 
there's the pretense of justice. And Nuremberg was the epitome of, of absence of due process. And it really was a, the uh, maybe you know one of the ultimate mockeries of justice, uh, no different than a Soviet-style show trial. And if, unfortunately, the, this is what we're becoming accustomed to in our country today. And so I think that's a very apropos, uh, you know, label that that you all have come up with there, uh, that this is a Nuremberg regime we're under now. That really does drive the point home. And of course, for people who don't get it right off the bat, it might cause them to, for the first time, consider uh, Nuremberg because. You know, most of what people think they know about, uh, you know, the, the subject, the forbidden subject of, of the six million, uh, where does it come from? You know, it comes from what came, uh, you know, emanated from Nuremberg. So my hat's off to you for the podcast. And uh, how, with what frequency do you produce this uh, program? Three episodes a week come out Sunday, uh, Tuesday and Thursday evening. And um, I also have a substack, PeteSubstack.com. That's I try to do three days a week. Normally I do three days a week, but doing three episodes a week and three writing three times a week and you know, everything else that happens in life, you, uh, you know, yeah, please allow me some slack. I haven't missed, I've only missed one episode of my podcast in the last six years. And that was this week because lightning struck my computer and just basically blew it out yeah. <laughs> and i and i still recorded a little message saying i'm a slacker i'm sorry well, we put out an episode we so. commend you for that level of production that that's no small endeavor to put out that much material well we're coming up on our next break here and so we will look forward to uh, being back with you here uh, very shortly to continue this broadcast of the political cesspool Thanks for listening to Project Schoolyard Volume 2. For more information about the project, as well as lyrics to the songs on this CD, please visit www.tightrope.cc. You can also find jokes, news articles, a photo gallery, free CD downloads, and a secure online shopping cart. We carry a full line of flags, t-shirts, CDs, books, stickers, and other products of interest to racially conscious white people. Please visit www.tightrope.cc. Is there a count somewhere? You're listening to Resolution Radio. Radio. ResolutionRDO.com. Listen, do you hear that sound? It started low, but it's getting progressively louder. Into a crescendo, even louder. Irresistible ending in an ear-splitting blast of mass disruption. That's the sound of America's economic and political systems crashing to the ground. But we have a plan. We will be ready to restore political sanity. We will be ready to answer the call of productive America. We will restore America's industrial base and put America back to work. We will shut down political correctness and restore decency and positive media to America. We will save our constitution, our traditional way of life, our customs, and religion. We will restore sound money and crush the debt-based system of monetary slavery. And we will end America's foreign 
misadventures. We are the American Freedom Party, and we have a plan. Learn more about us, the American Freedom Party, dot US. You're listening to the Political Cesspool on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423. Hill is proud to announce the release of a new translation, Leon de Grel in Exile by Jose Luis Jerez Reisco. Readers of The Burning Souls will already be familiar with de Grel's life before and during the Second World War, his service on the Eastern Front, and his involuntary post-war exile in Franco, Spain. This new work tells the story of his life in exile in detail, replete with first-hand accounts from Spanish nationalists and friends of de Grel. During his time in Spain, de Grel did not wallow in sadness. Despite the atrocities inflicted upon him and his family by the victorious Allied powers, he stayed remarkably active in European nationalist politics and left a lasting impression on both his personal friends and those from around the European world who took inspiration from his tenacious idealism. De Grel's enduring legacy in Spain is well-deserved. Such a legacy also deserves to be spread to both sides of the Atlantic and beyond. Antelope Hill is proud to be the first to bring this unparalleled biography to the English reader, Get Leon DeGrell in exile today at antelopehillpublishing.com. Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program, and here to guide you through the murky waters of the Political Cesspool is your host, James Edwards. Well, I'm back, everybody. I hope uh, that that segment apart wasn't too much for you to bear, but uh, when I have to leave, I know who to leave it in the hands of, and that's Rick Tyler, who has a real voice uh, and uh, a real way of uh, carrying a a broadcast in his own right, and uh, I know that uh, Rick and his guest uh, gave you a good segment while we scarfed down the steak that they're serving here at the American Renaissance Conference. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Saturday, August 12th, we are live from the American Renaissance Conference. More guests on the show than I can remember already, Uh, but I can remember one thing. They were all fantastic. Actually, I can remember them all, but it has been that kind of night where you just have one after another after another. Now, uh, there are only two men left who have not yet received their stake tonight. And it's our friend here, uh, and also uh, the next guest that we're going to have on the show. We got to get him in and out pretty quick because that stake's going to get cold. Sid Secular is with us tonight. Longtime friend, first time appearance on the radio. Sid, we go back, uh, and we mentioned it once before a lot of old friends and faces from the Council of Conservative Citizens. And you are one that I remember. Uh, so vividly and so affectionately. Every time we'd be there, we would always get together. We'd always have a good time. It's great to have you on the show tonight. Thank you very much, Jim. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, 
CFCC or the Council of Conservative Citizens continues on. We have uh, the equivalent of two chapters. We have the Middle Atlantic or the uh, Washington D.C. chapter, which I occasionally have meetings, uh, I get presenters who are well known. Uh, I get about 15 to 25 people, depending on the uh, uh, the attraction of the moment. So. Um, and uh, I kind of expanded my activities to uh, my own newsletter, which now encompasses 80 gigantic pages, and um, it's growing by the minute, so I'm converting it into an email newsletter in order to be able to practically do it, you know, without too great an expense or expenditure of time. And I have as my assistant, Valerie Protopapis, who's a noted name in her own right yeah noted editor and writer and is the foremost authority on southern civil war and confederate issues and uh, she writes uh, about half my material she contributes to the Barnes Review historical uh, journal she's on the uh, masthead of that group and she uh, used to be uh, the editor of a uh, Mosby Stewart uh, chapter in Northern Virginia. So she's very, very knowledgeable, and especially so since I don't believe she set foot in the South. She resides in New York and can't travel, or else she would be here at this convention. She has a disability, but uh, she, she, um, she she's uh, really extremely impressive. She used to be on the senior editor. Uh, for the citizens of former newspaper, which was the uh, paper for the uh, citizen, uh, Council of Conservative Citizens, which still puts out the paper. But uh, Earl Holt is kind of the sole writer and uh, editor at the moment of the paper. It's it's still a quality paper, 40 pages in length, which it used to be. It's available by email now, and uh, the cost of membership is only $25 per year. And um, if anybody uh, doesn't have a computer, I'm willing to make copies of it so you can have it, you know. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of subscribers don't have computers or access to email, but I've kind of volunteered to fill in for anybody who's willing to uh, get it from me. I'll print it out and mail it to them. Doing the work that a lot of people in our movement don't want to do, which is the uh, the, the hard work, uh, the behind-the-scenes work. Sid Secular, uh, you were the capital, or are, I, I guess, you're, you're saying uh, chapters live on. Well, Obviously, there's yeah. still the newspaper, uh, the chapter direct, uh, the uh, well, capital director of the CFC. Well, I'm the National Capital Area Chapter Chairman, and sometimes I expand that to call myself the Mid-Atlantic uh, Chapter Chairman because there's none near me. So I, I, I can include went, uh, Pennsylvania and West Virginia, Delaware in my area because there's nobody, the covering, there's nobody covering those areas. <laughs> so, so I, I do 200-300 mile radius. Sid, this is this is Sid Secular. He's a guy I've known forever. Another guy that's just out there doing the work. You don't know uh, that some of these people are out there, but I know it, and we're all better off. Uh, as a result of it. Now, 
Uh, Sid, you got a great newsletter. I receive it. I appreciate it. I appreciate the work you do. As Salty Sid, the editor right. of your newsletter. My nickname, newsletter. Aptly, aptly named. <laughs> Going back so many years we have in, in the CFCC, which is uh, where I really cut my teeth. I mean, some of my earliest talks I ever gave was uh, as a result of the generosity of the of, of the CFCC. A lot of CFCC folks here tonight uh, from the good old days. But uh, Sid, we got about two minutes remaining, so we have to speed things up a little bit. Uh, your takeaways from the conference, the issues you find most important. Well, the optimism of, of James Edwards is the highlight of the uh, uh, event so far. Amen. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Ed. And, uh, <laughs> the flawless presentation without any hiccups or, or you, you know, you know, or something like that. I think that went over the crowd and uh, the ability to project your voice to the entire room so everybody could hear it is, is, I'm allowed uh, is, now. That's is, all. is not so well appreciated as it should be. And uh, I know that we're on track to uh, take our nation back or to take take our race back. Whatever might happen, I, th I think we're on track to <coughs> restore the historic American nation or, or, or form a new nation that's... That's right. That's what matters. Not the country, but the nation. The nation is our people, and the nation is what I'm concerned with. Whatever happens with the country or, or this existing government, we can overcome that. We've, we've lived under so many different kinds of forms of government. Modern, <coughs> you name it. Uh, and, 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 and we can survive that change. We cannot survive if we are not alive. Uh, now, uh, Smaller you... is better, and, and uh, we used to uh, have states which were nations, and we conducted our business much better than when the national government started intruding and taking over the functions that the state used to perform. Sid, uh, you are here obviously as an activist, as one of these old war horses that has been around for years doing the work, uh, but you're also here as sort of an entrepreneur. You are a vendor here at this conference. Uh, with about a minute remaining, tell us about your, uh, your, your booth and uh, your wares and how, I, how it's been received. I, I, I occupy two tables and I have roughly 15 different publications, most of them free for, uh, you know, so you can see the different nationalists patriotic-oriented publications that are out there that are not too well known to the public, uh, you know, and actually I'm being paid by two publishers to distribute their material here, the American Free Press and Barnes Review, which are associated with each other. One is, one is a uh, historical uh, journal and one is a uh, current events journal. And which, of course, we are directly and intimately affiliated with as well. I, I have a newfound column with the American Free Press and the Barnes Review I've been reading since I was a teenager. So it's wonderful publications with Paul Angel, John Friend, and uh, the staff and crew there. Sid Secular, my friend, thank you for coming on. you got to get to that stake, so we'll let you get to it. We're going to be talking with Edward LePin when we come right. back. Sid, great to talk to you tonight. Thank you, my friend. Love it. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. 
Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies, John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then, the more they use the lie, the more they reproduce the lie. The more spiritual power they get. Now look, the media is a lie multiplier. And this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast. That power protects the cells of the beast from prosecution. Why isn't Hillary in prison? She is protected. We must restore our national relationship with God. Truth is sacred in the kingdom, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Isaiah 9, 6. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. And here we go as we continue live tonight from the Council of Conservative Citizens Conference. Another special guest this evening, Ed LePen, is with us from Kentucky. And Ed, you and I have uh, struck up a, a conversation and uh, correspondence in recent months. And uh, first of all, let's say hello to you and uh, let the audience know what kind of correspondence we've been sharing. Well, I've been writing letters. I, uh, I feel energized when I hear the program. It, for me, it's like going to church because it's truthful. Uh, a lot of churches don't have the spirit or the energy that I feel because they just they don't preach the truth. And I came, I, I brought my Bible, I opened the Bible, I laid to it the, on. To this conference this weekend? Yeah, to this, I brought my Bible and I brought a copy of Pilgrim's Progress and I bought a book on infertility because I've heard people talk about it, even some of the speakers, you know, the problem of birth rates and declining births among uh, Europeans, uh, which is a, a real problem and the struggle they have. It, it, is, it, it, is, it is a big problem, and I appreciate what you said about the program, and, uh, because we both come from a very similar background. Share the audience the details and the story behind that. Well, uh, I have suffered rejection or even uh, this uh, exclusion, I think, unbiblically from a Southern Baptist Church. Uh, they even, asked, you know, they gave me a letter while simultaneously uh, blocking me admittance to the property. And uh, I think Southern Baptists have a lot of great people. Unfortunately, the convention, has, the the national body has condemned the Confederate flag, which is a Christian symbol. And I, I think that they're very narrow-minded on it. And some of their leaders uh, are, you know, they, they support uh, things that, that I don't. And they, they don't, you don't have the freedom to to be a Southerner as you once would, would have in the Southern Baptist Convention. Which, of course, there wouldn't even be a Southern Baptist Convention had it not been for 
the forerunners of the Confederacy. So uh, they, they forget that they wouldn't even be the most, the largest of Protestant denomination on this continent had it not been for Southerners, uh, the very forefathers they could name. And I got a big problem with that. I mean, it's just this, this is the dishonorment of your mothers and fathers. I mean, this is a violation of the commandments themselves. These people weren't wrong. They were better Christians than the people running the church today, to be sure. Uh, but no matter what, to dishonor them like that, to say, as Russell Moore did, that the, and he's no longer with the Southern Baptist Convention, I don't guess he ever was, really, in spirit, but uh, he was there certainly running it into the ground, uh, taking his, uh, his uh, position as an op-ed writer for, like, the New York Times and the Washington Post to bash white Christians, even though he was the spokesman for the Southern Baptist Convention itself, in many ways. But uh, to say that the Southern, uh, the, uh, the Southern Cross, yeah, the, the Confederate battle flag, St. Andrew's Cross, can't coexist with the Christian flag without or the Bible, without one setting the other on fire. I don't have any tolerance for that. And that's what got me in such a... Well, it was that. It was that back around 2015 you know, that we started really speaking out against it. And then, of course, uh, they came back. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, the Southern Baptists, when they originally started, they sent out people who were slave owners. As mission, that was the big the, the big schism. Was it? Yeah, was, uh, was could slave owners be missionaries? Yeah, there was a schism over that. Uh, but Baptists are supposed to stand stand for soul competency, the, that the individual can have soul competency and liberty decide. Uh, we're priests and kings unto God, but however, we've picked up almost a Catholic approach where the uh, the state conventions and the national conventions exercise an authority over local churches that's really in a way unbiblical or unbaptistic uh, because each each congregation is supposed to be independent and they've lost yeah that. it was a, a, a bottom-up yeah it was of a bottom system up. of government not yeah, top down where they could replace the rector or the yeah uh, Harry Truman was a Baptist and the reason he was is because it was bottom up not top down and there's been so many changes in uh, the culture that a lot of people the emerging church is very different than the church that i knew in the 60s and the 70s it's very different well that's uh, that's an understatement to be sure but while people like you and i may not be welcome as far as the denominational head table is concerned and there's a very big difference than that by the way uh, than the average people you'll talk with who are populating the pews of any given Southern Baptist Church, particularly in the rural South. Big difference between the so-called leadership and, and the people in the church itself. But one of the, the heroes of uh, the, the leadership, uh, one of the people that they have uh, qualified as, a, as you know, certainly a saint, and they even have, uh, some years ago, there was a, a, a big uh, Southern Baptist uh, convention produced gala in his honor is of course Martin Luther King and as I say Martin Luther King may be a hero to them but he is not my hero and he is not going to be presented to my children to be any sort of hero Christian or otherwise they are presenting him as a Christian hero and this is the thing I would say to you Ed because I know you come from the Southern Baptist background and as a, as, as, as a minister yourself uh, in, in King's own writings at the Crozier Seminary you, you find that he denies the virgin birth he denies that Christ was the Son of God. He denies the physical resurrection of Christ. 
and he denies the inerrancy of the Holy Scriptures. So these are serious and, as far as I know, unrepentant statements that he made in his life. So could he even properly be called a Christian while espousing these opinions? And if people don't believe me, if they think I'm just, you know, making this up to, because I don't like King's politics, this material is easily available for your study on the Stanford University website where you may see these words written in Dr. King's own hand. So this is their hero. He wasn't, I mean, it, it, could he possibly be a Christian? He denies every basic tenet of, of, of the, the fundamentals of the faith itself. I wasn't aware of all that, but I did hear, and I have heard, it's not been substantiated in my mind, of plagiarism. So I, I didn't even get into that. And I got into it. I said, I'm going to speak your language here. Let's not talk about the plagiarism and the adultery and the fact that he was a Marxist and the fact that you know, all this other stuff that is very valid, but I'm just trying to speak their language. This right here, let's narrow it down to that. And, you know, of course, it just, you know, it didn't make any difference, of course, to them. They didn't respond to it at all. Well, what I do know and can speak to is I know critical race theory came up in a debate right on the convention floor, and they put out a film or a DVD, and I can't think of the name of it right now, by what authority, I believe the name of it was, dealing with critical race theory, which is actually a Marxist, if I'm correct, mm -hmm. doctrine. And it is- Oh, sure it is, yeah. And it's really, they attack white identity or European Indian. It's okay to be American Indian. It's okay to be black. It's at the Southern Baptist Convention themselves, they have breakout sessions for you name it, the Filipino Baptist Convention, the Chinese Baptist you, you name your ethnicity, they've got one, except for the people who actually come there, which are white Southerners. Yeah, Europeans have a tradition too. And they have, you know, they're Polish, they're German, they're Finnish, they're Estonian. There are a lot of different European backgrounds and history about it, but for whatever political reason, they'll cancel culture view and you just won't be invited you know to speak to talk to pray if you want to assert the fact that you're european or that you're white you're a white person and it makes me uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> well, i appreciate you saying that we got about a minute left with uh, our friend ed lapin who is here as an attendee he is a supporter of the political Successful, and we thank you for that, Ed. I want to thank you for that publicly here and in, in, uh, here in, in person, one on one together. Uh, with about a minute remaining, share with us the final word to the audience. Well, I think uh, there's an education to be had if you attend an event like this. Because uh, we're having this conversation, I, it, it, it seems as though that conversation would would have been. Uh, more at home on any given radio program that we might do on, on a weekly basis. We're live from the American Renaissance Conference talking about this. That's correct. I learned a lot. Uh, you know, I, I really appreciated the speaker from Ireland. And you, you get uh, a picture of the political situation of the, the Irish people. You know, there is some suppression there uh, of them. You know, you have Black Lives Matter protesting like they did in this country. Um, but compare that to what happened on January 6th, one day when you basically, and correct me if I'm wrong, white Republicans uh, who were upset about the election, and uh, they're really getting that. And, I, and this is the anniversary of Charlottesville. All they, the day. Yeah, 
and they all they were doing was carrying a tiki torch. Six years ago to the day, we were live from Charlottesville here on this program. That was an amazing thing. And uh, Ed, you hear the music. I want to thank you. I know you got to get back in there to your dessert. Everybody's eating right now. We're shuffling them in and out. But uh, thank you for your support of the program. Thanks for sitting in with us for a few minutes tonight. God bless you. Thank you, Ed. I did we'll be right that. back. Claiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News. I'm Jerry Barmish. The federal government is assisting as wildfires continue to ravage the island of Maui, where at least 80 people have died. But Hawaii's Lieutenant Governor Sylvia Luke told CNN... They are still surveying the damage. We still have not completely done our uh, done uh, the assessment. The county is the county of Maui is still doing its assessment, and our fear is the death toll will continue to climb. FEMA operations director Jeremy Greenberg said the recovery operation is being jump started, but cautioned that it will be prolonged. The Fulton County District Attorney is expected to present the Trump case to a grand jury as early as Monday. Former Georgia Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan told CNN he's been subpoenaed to testify before the grand jury on Tuesday. I have no expectations as to the questions, and I'll certainly answer whatever questions put in front of me, and, and certainly don't want to go any deeper than that to, to you know, jeopardize or compromise the investigation. But uh, look, th- for, for me, this is a story that is important for Republicans to hear, Americans to hear. Uh, Let's hear the whole truth and nothing but the truth about Donald Trump's actions and the surrounding cast of characters around him. This means the D.A. Fonnie Willis will have to begin presenting her case regarding allegations of Donald Trump conspiring to overthrow the 2020 election results in Georgia. Reports indicate she'll need up to two days to complete her presentation to grand jurors. Florida Representative Greg Stubbe is filing articles of impeachment against President Biden. His office released a statement saying he filed the articles for high crimes and misdemeanors. The paperwork featured accusations of bribery, fraud, and obstruction of justice. Stubbe said Biden has, quote, undermined the integrity of his office, and he endorsed former President Trump for the 2024 election. This is USA News. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now for prices so low we can't publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go and pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 802-341-4541-802-341-4541-802-341-4541. That's 802-341-4541. All right, we are coming around the home stretch here uh, as we broadcast live. Already two and a half hours into 
this evening's broadcast from the American Renaissance Conference from the floor of the event and the venue itself, Saturday night, August the 12th. Uh, we are getting down not only to the end of the show, but uh, for the end of the major part of the uh, event itself. Uh, they are wrapping up the banquet, and then we're about to hear from uh, the banquet speaker, Dries van Lagenhove from Belgium, friends with our friend, Peter. <laughs> We've had so many friends on the night. Philip de Winter. Philip de Winter. And I, actually, I've got something for Philip that I'm sending back to Belgium. I'm delivering it to Dries himself uh, in just a few minutes. But and before don't, we don't get forget to that, Anna Vandenberg. Oh, yeah. Well, we love our, our, our we friend from, there, too. Great people over there in Belgium. Right. Uh, but uh, before we get to that, a very surprise and special guest, longtime friend of ours, but first, well, actually, I can't say first time guest because you called in from a Christmas party in Dallas some yes, years ago. I, I was the Christmas party correspondent. <laughs> <laughs> you did a great job, by the way. Okay. We've got Crystal on the program tonight, and she's going to share with us her observations and takeaways from this weekend. So, what do you have to say to the audience? What did they miss? Everything. <laughs> They're missing a community, first of all. These, these people here are like family. It's they really are. I mean, we say that a lot. It's almost cliche, but I mean, you couldn't, there's not nowhere, no way else to describe it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably one of my favorite times of the year to come to this. It, there's just so much fellowship and camaraderie, and you can say anything and be completely yourself, <laughs> and nobody gives you dirty looks. It's, it's really freeing. What are the big issues you think this weekend that uh, you've, you've seen and heard people talking about, both on the stage and uh, in the crowd? Well, uh, the crumbling of our civilization, like right before our eyes, that's, that's, that's a pretty big one. So yeah, we've, we've got we've got a lot of things to work out. We've got, a lot, we've got a lot of things to work out. No, we got a lot of things to work out. This has been the theme, yeah. the theme of my talk today, and the theme of. Uh, connection first disruption of the entire show so we should be thankful for that here as it comes towards the end of it all last time we broadcasted live from Amarin, which was several years ago they hadn't quite refurbished the place as they have now uh so uh the connection is better the rooms are better everything looks better uh but uh we're gonna see if mr producer cannot reconnect us on the uh, proper line it says it looks like i've got a good connection and, and signal here so maybe we can get back on the 
Say again. Okay, well we'll uh, we'll log out and get back in. I'm going to toss this phone over to Crystal so you can take off your headset and uh, your mic and just continue to share observations and takeaways from the event and things you want to share with the audience while we troubleshoot here. So I've I've been coming here since 2006 and there's been a big demographic shift here. When I showed up all those years ago, it was me being the only lady and a, and a young one back then and then um, and many many white-haired old men and now uh, the crowd is different there's there's so many more young people it's a good mix and there's a a lot of women as well it's it's really heartening to see it's it's becoming popular very popular well you're talking to yourself so, well, you, you, you're, just, you're, you're breaking it down. We, we, you're holding the whole show. Am I on hold for something? No, you're, you're good. You're, you're on the air. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, no. It's, 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 it's just been a very, yes, over, over the last 20 years, this really positive demographic shift, more young people, more women, just uh, people are catching on. This is, yeah, this is a good deal. All right, so <laughs> no, that's awkward, isn't it? I mean, here you are. You, you don't have anybody to bounce off of. Your first time on the radio live, and you don't have anybody to you have to pair with. Yeah, a lot of pros couldn't do as good as you did just then. Anyway, uh, keep. You want to put it on speakerphone? All right, here we go. All right, Mr. Producer says we can go to speakerphone here. But I don't know what happened to the connection. It's been so good. Anyway, Keith, you want to say something? <laughs> Of course, I saw. All right, man. Well, I saw Crystal in there, and I said we've got to get her on the show. So I, uh, I, I lassoed her, I, I hog tied her, and brought and hauled her out here. So. <laughs> but it's good to have her. She is a fixture at this conference. I've never been to one of these conferences that she hasn't been here. So. She is a uh, a legend in her own right. We got to Prettiest girl in the, in the house uh, right here with us tonight. So. That's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can't, I'm talking with this mic like somebody can hear me. Anyway, I, what am I doing? <laughs> All right. Well, as we butcher the show, as it all comes apart now, uh, I hear the applause in the uh, in the arena, as it were, the ballroom. Uh, the, the keynote speaker, we have one segment left. The keynote speaker is taking his uh, time on the podium. Crystal, give us another a minute of reflection, if you can. I know you got to get back in there. You want to listen to Dries. You were having uh, dinner with him, actually. What did you find out? Yes, yes. Yep. He is. Uh, yeah, he is. Found out he's. Uh, he's. All, he's all in. He is all in, and it's. Uh, it's heartening to know that that we have representatives from uh, so many different countries here, and these young guys coming together and laying the groundwork for the future for our people. It's awesome. And the fact that these people are elected. I mean, you know, we, we you know, you had Ruben Caleb, you had, you know, uh, Idris, who's speaking right now, who just began his address. We're going to be able to catch the bulk of it. But uh, these, these are people that are elected to to their nation's parliaments. I mean, this isn't, you know, some sort of city councilman in a town you've never heard of. These people are in positions of, of real power in Europe. Keith? This is Jared's equivalent of the International House of Pancakes. He's got <laughs> – we've got people from all over the place. Um and it's it's you know I don't know if Jared is um, paying off dues or whatnot, but it's wonderful to get all of these people that think like us from all over the world. It really is heartening to know that we're not alone over here. 
Well, it's certainly been a good cross-section. It's uh, been a good event, and it's going to wrap up here over the course of the next, oh, I'd say about an hour. And uh, as we uh, go off the air in about 20 minutes, uh, we'll be wrapping up here a little bit later. If you tuned in at any point after we got started tonight, keep in mind that you can uh, catch up on uh, all the people we've had. Where's my list? I'm going to have to do it by memory. No, yeah, there it is. Yeah, that's it. We have had on tonight on the show live, Reuben Caleb, Stephen McNallan, Brad Griffin, Peter Brimler, Roger Devlin, Mark Weber, and others, Rick Tyler, Pete Quahone, Sid Secular, obviously Crystal, obviously Ed LePin. And uh, <laughs> so, all right, what's up? Uh, yeah, here's one thing that they don't know if they don't come. What happens after the conference is over? The greatest party of the year. <laughs> Hey, Brad Griffin agreed with you back there in the in, in the back. So that's what we'll be getting into over the course of the rest of the night. We'll catch up with you later. Thank you for coming by. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. All right. Well, I don't know what happened to the connect. Well, I know it was Antifa. They've been out. They finally did something. They've been out there. They've been getting rained on all day, but they were able to strike a blow here late. But I think it's a little bit too little too late uh, because it has been a wonderful show. Uh, this last segment is a little bit of. Uh, audio difficulties, which you would expect in many ways when you uh, broadcast from afar and remotely and outside of your studio, but uh, it has not dampened the uh, spirits of uh, those uh, here assembled uh, one iota. Uh, Keith, I, I, I dare give you this phone because it's going to be, well, actually I'll hold on because uh, we're going to have the music coming up, and it's hard enough to hear it in our headsets. It's going to be doubly hard on the cell phone, but it's going to be coming up any minute. And then we will wrap up the program. One final segment, takeaways, parting shots from the American Renaissance Conference. <laughs> Mr. Bill will be on, and uh, we'll see what he has to say. We've met a lot of interesting people, rekindled uh, friendships with old acquaintances, and solidified the bonds with our regulars over the course of this week, and we wish all of you could be here. We've received many emails, text messages, and we'll be getting back to you as quickly as we can. We wish you were all here. We are going to take a final break, and uh, we'll be right back for closing words from the American Renaissance Conference. Stay tuned. Materialistic science states the universe and everything in it emerged from an unguided, chaotic expansion of space-time matter energy labeled the Big Bang. But far from being the result of a chaotic Big Bang, the universe was initiated and put into ordered motion by the Creator. Thomas Jefferson, in the Declaration of Independence, attributed the laws of nature to the Creator, nature's God. Now the Declaration of Wide Independence by Kyle McDermott sets the record straight from the inception of the laws of nature and of nature's God to the right of all the peoples of mankind to be self-governing within their own homelands. This book provides an ideology to utterly defeat the woke globalist communist tyrants. The Declaration of Wide Independence is a highly recommended addition to community, college, and university library philosophy collections and supplemental curriculum studies lists. Available at the Dixie Republic and Traveler's Rest, South Carolina, DixieRepublic.com, and at Barnes & Noble. 
former Sheriff Richard Mack recounts in his book the proper role of law enforcement, how he came to realize while working as a beat cop how wrong the all-too-common orientation of police officers is when they think of their job as being to write tickets and arrest people. Richard Mack tells of his personal transformation from by-the-number cop to constitution-conscious defender of citizen safety and freedoms. Learn what it really means to serve and protect. Purchase your copy at CSPOA.org. That's CSPOA.org. Do you know what is great about America? Ask an Immigrant. Ask an Immigrant is a new podcast dedicated to helping Americans, especially our youth, value, appreciate, and be grateful for the freedoms we have here in America. Join host Lydia Wallace-Nuttle as she interviews immigrants from around the world to discover their inspiring personal stories about why they came to America. To learn more about why America is the most prosperous, greatest country in the world, download the Loving Liberty app or go to lovingliberty.net. All right, we're back. One final segment. I'm going to ask our producer. We just did a little troubleshooting here with the tech team, as it were. If you could check our IPDTL, and there we are. Okay, I'm going to switch with those. All right, we are back uh, up at full throttle here at Amran. Keep find your mic if you can. No, it's all the way over. How did it get over here? It's on the complete other side of the whole. <laughs> all right. Well, it seems like uh, that was a very fast two hours and 46 minutes since we started. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. We're back uh, five by five. Now, here All we right. go. Well, just temporary, five five, temporary blip. Uh, so, takeaways from the show. We've been talking about takeaways from the conference, takeaways from the last uh, two hours and 45 minutes here on the broadcast tonight. Well, we got a good cross-section of all the people here. Didn't uh, even scratch the surface, though, of all the people we could have had I know, on. They they just, we should have had on. I mean, Ed yeah. Fields is in there. I mean, we didn't even hear from Jared and uh, and, and Sam, but they're, they're very regular. And we're now interviewing a guy that doesn't have a last name. Yeah, well, that's fine. Now. Bill. <laughs> Mr. Bill. Okay. Uh, we've got uh, we've got Bill on now, and we're we're about to get to him. But final word from you, Keith, on uh, well, not a final word for the night, but on the on the conference. Well, I think the conference was a great success, uh, and I I still maintain that you gave the best speech of the whole bunch. <laughs> and yeah, and then uh, Greg Hood came in a close second, and uh, you know I'm getting I, some we, home cooking here. But we had we everybody was good. Every all, all the speakers were good. We had a lot of people from foreign lands and that was really interesting and it was uh interesting to get their take we were talking with Ru and caleb who kind of accentuated the point that you know in europe they think in terms of their nation they are not interested in white advocacy or white nationalism the way that we are in america you know basically in america if you're of European descent, it doesn't matter whether you're from Finland or your ancestors are from Finland or Sicily, you know, you're welcome to the party. In Europe, they have Estonian nationalists, they have Latvian nationalists, Lithuanian nationalists, Polish nationalists, and never the twain shall meet. You know, you, know, you don't, uh, there's still a lot of this old world animosity, I guess, but like, for example, the Poles don't like the Russians. The Germans don't like the Poles, all that type of stuff. But in America, basically, we have to have a much broader net. And it's uh, it's interesting to hear from people that have that nationalist viewpoint. And there were a lot of them at this uh, conference. Well, if you don't have 
racial animosity in places like Europe. I guess you got to focus on the yeah, nationalistic find, animosity. I think it was a guy that played J.J. He was talking about Northern Ireland versus Ireland. He said, when you don't have black people, you have to improvise. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, our people have always loved to fight with each other. If we can't find anybody uh, else to fight, we'll certainly war with one another. That's been a big problem. That, uh, well, I'm going to hand the mic over to our friend, Mr. Bill. All right, and when you do that, I'm going to give you this mic, and Bill's going to introduce himself and, and uh, begin his uh, presentation, this last uh, segment of the program. I'm going to give it to Keith, and I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. Okay, Bill, tell us what your impression is of the Ameren Conference. How many of these have you been to? How does this differ from other ones you've been to? Or, and just give us your breakdown. All right, well, this is my second conference. I was at the one last year. And by the way, uh, I go by pen name William Fox. Okay. I run the website, uh, AmericaFirstBooks.com or AmFirstBooks.com. Okay. And I've been actually following uh, <clears throat> politics on all ends of political spectrum since the very uh, late 1980s. Okay. And so my, well, my impression is in some ways, uh, you know, we heard about Mark Weber and others talking about how uh, the, uh, you know, Americans are seeing the country deteriorating and they're getting more serious about the deteriorative conditions and uh, the things that were considered very right-wing radical uh, five or ten years ago were now becoming more mainstream. But I think they're still behind the curve. I think the seriousness of the problems that we face are uh, even greater than what many people here believe at the uh, conference. So what do you attribute this rising consciousness of our uh, issues to be due to? Is it because of Donald Trump or is it because of the left's overplaying uh, their hand? Uh, is Trump derangement syndrome involved? What's your explanation for this? Well, one of the big ones is the public is hearing so much information about what they call the death jab or how the COVID-19 uh, jab, which was made mandatory, is causing uh, so many uh, heart attacks and uh, cardiovascular and neurological problems. And uh, there's a growing number of people believe that this is actually deliberate and that there's a globalist elite that has a global depopulation plan to eliminate about 80 uh, percent of the population. I mean, this is really extremely evil stuff. And, and that's that's filtering out. Um, you have uh, Victoria Newland and the neocons have been pushing America towards a nuclear war with uh, Russia. Uh, and that's very radicalizing. If you look at the deep background of how they broke the Minsk agreements and they were shelling and inflicted over 14,000 countries. What are these neocons like Victoria Newland, Jake Sullivan, Anthony Blinken? What is their uh, animus? What is, what is actually motivating them to promote this war, which I think is, you know, it was totally unnecessary. I think that you know, Putin had said that if they would just put in writing that they will not let uh, Ukraine join NATO, then there would have been no war. But instead, Anthony Blinken said, oh, no, we'll never agree to that. And that's what led to the war, at least according to, you know, reports that I was seeing at the time back on, uh, what it, was it, March 22nd of uh, 2022. And now it's, you know, it has been going on for over a year. We've put in over how many billions of dollars? 40, 100 billion, who knows? But it, there's no end in sight. Uh, what are the neocons trying to accomplish by provoking this conflict? Well, there are many different uh, perspectives. One is that uh, we have a Federal Reserve banking system, which is run by the Rothschilds, uh, which is in extremely serious trouble. 
and we're headed towards an inflationary meltdown. And the powers that be want a distraction away from those kinds of problems. And ultimately, uh, they want to lock down this country. Uh, they used the COVID for that purpose, uh, but they'd like to ultimately create martial law in America because they're afraid that if Americans become fully radicalized, Americans are going to come for their throats. And uh, the, these people are very, very uh, paranoid, uh, particularly the, uh, the Rothschilds and the cohorts. And uh, also, according to uh, many different sources, like Dr. James Fetzer I've worked with, he has a website, moonrockbooks.com or jameshfetzer.org. Um, he claims the Rothschilds say that uh, this is a major impediment to their plans to the New World Order that they have to win in Ukraine. Of course, uh, Zelensky's a Jewish. He's uh, controlled by Jewish oligarchs. I mean, there's a joke where Zelensky is, has been supposedly supporting uh, the Azov Battalion, which is Nazi, yet he's Jewish. So many people think it's more accurate to call him a Zion-Nazi. But we're, uh, or Victoria Newland, she's Jewish. Uh, we're involved in um, fun and games of distractions. Uh, there are some theories that uh, the, the Zionazis want to use up the Ukrainians so that, uh, according to one source, the Rothschilds would like to uh, move Israelis and a lot of Jews to make uh, Ukraine the new uh, Israel. In, in other so, words, it's kind of an expansion area for Israel. Is that what you're saying? That's one theory that uh, Dr. Fetzer has described and others about the Rothschild plans. Um, so. Uh, if it, once upon a time, the, well, the Jewish people were very heavily situated in uh, Ukraine. Uh, but, of course— uh, Well, the Khazars, you know, the Khazarians that basically were the predecessors to the Ashkenazi Jews were between the Caspian Sea and the Black Sea. Right. Caucasus Mountains, that's where the term Caucasians comes from. But um, <clears throat> So I guess there's a natural link. There's really— more of a natural link between Ashkenazis, who are 85% of today's worldwide Jewish Uh, hang on, Keith. We, we went out again, so continue the conversation. Okay, well, okay. Fill in on where we left off. Okay, we were talking about um, the Ashkenazi Jews, which are 85% of the Jewish population of the world now, and they originally came from the area very near to Ukraine. So there is at least one theory out there that the war is about reclaiming the Ukraine as a kind of expansion area for Israel. What are the other theories? Okay. Well, well, actually, two of the best sources on the internet are Colonel Douglas McGregor and uh, Scott Ritter. And uh, um, of course, uh, you know, the Russians have always claimed that they're acting uh, no different than the way the U.S. acted over the Cuban Missile Crisis, and it's intolerable uh, to advance not only uh, NATO and nuclear weapons to you know the easternmost part of Ukraine is further east of Moscow, right on the border. Uh, 
but also bio labs. Um, there are all kinds of bio labs have been uncovered in Ukraine, and of course that doesn't make the Russians feel happy either. So um, a lot of the people that I listen to, um, like Scott Ritter and, and Colonel Douglas McGregor, uh, feel that you know we're we're seeing troublemakers uh, use this war to use up the Ukrainians as proxies, uh, and uh, basically they tend to be actually more sympathetic towards the Russian position. Well, one of the things that I've heard is that. Uh, this is an effort to take out Russia as a potential world hegemon or superpower. So they never come back to the position that they used to be in back in, uh, let's say, uh, before the fall of the Soviet Union, uh, and that the next hegemon to be attacked after Russia is brought to heel would be China. What do you think of that? And with seconds, seconds remaining, that is a tantalizing teaser and a cliffhanger, but we have seconds remaining, and I don't even know if I can hear the outro music uh, with, with our dilapidated state of affairs right now. Well, I'd say that's exactly right. Uh, there have been uh, plans to put to break up a Russia in over 30 different uh, provinces, divide and conquer, and steal their natural resources. The Russians are very much aware of that. Of course, you remember with the Kaliningrad crisis, there's a fear that if they don't take the problem, care of problem Ukraine, that you know, it'll be taken care of elsewhere, it'll be trouble elsewhere. Ladies and gentlemen, that is all the time we have for tonight. That may have been the fastest segment of the evening. I went away for one second, and it was like the end of the segment. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, for all of the guests, all of the people here tonight, Steve Alexander, all the incredible talents that have been on the program, including, as you just heard from Bill, to close things out, I'm James Edwards. We'll be back on the road next week, another remote broadcast, heading a little bit south down to Alabama. We'll talk to you then and there. Good night, everybody. You're listening to Resolution Radio, 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 ResolutionRDO.com.